Hey there everybody, Angela Bowen here, and today I have a special bonus episode for you. If you've been listening to the podcast since 2020, recently, right around the time this all hit, probably about a month or so after, I thought, why not do a podcast episode based on books that I've read. Kind of give you guys ideas if you're looking for something to read. And I thought, you know, it's getting towards the end of the year and I thought, why not (laughs) do something like that again? So I'm going to continue where I left off. I pretty much had covered the books I'd started reading in January all the way to, like, April or May. So I'm going to continue on with the books I've read this year from June all the way to through December. There's going to be a lot of middle grade. There's going to be some young adult. There's even going to be adult fiction books in there as well. As well as being it's December, I have been reading some holiday reads. And towards the end, I will actually be talking about books that I have in my want-to-read list on Goodreads, which is pretty much where I do my reading challenges for the year. My reading challenge this year I gave myself was about 45 books. I've actually read 57 books. There's a few weeks left of the year, and I'm hoping to be able to get in at least three more reads so I can make it to 60. But I just thought this is just a fun way to give you guys ideas if you're looking for books to read, or if you're looking for book ideas to give to either your children, your nieces, nephews, friends, any type of relative, or just even for yourself if you're looking for something to read. This would be really, really helpful. So I'm going to read the title of the book, the author, and of course the summary, and then kind of give a little estimation what I can remember of the book when I read it, what my thoughts were. Now the last book review I did was about three hours long. Um, I'm hoping this one won't be nearly as long, but uh, all right, so just Get comfortable. I got my Chex Mix here. I got my Diet Coke. So let's get into this. I will also be listing the books in the episode description on SoundCloud. So that way the books I talk about, you're going to get that list. So that way you can easily find them on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Goodreads. Goodreads, honestly, is the best source for finding out about books that you want to read or even like I said with the reading challenge if you guys want to give yourself a challenge all you got to do I mean I start off like okay I'm going to read five books once I get close to five I'll up at like five more books and that's kind of how I went throughout the year so all right I'm excited I just the books I read this second half of the year were just as good as the ones I read in the first six months so a middle grade book. It was actually released October 1st, 2019. It is called Dear Sweet Pea. This is by Julie Murphy. You might be familiar with her other book, Dumplin', which actually is a Netflix movie. 
this was such a sweet book and I would love to get a sequel and learn more about Sweet Pea's, Sweet Pea's life, life <laughs> after this book. Okay. <clears throat> the first middle grade novel from Julie Murphy. Number one New York Times bestselling author of Dumplin', now a popular Netflix film. Gosh, I cannot talk today. Is a funny, heartwarming story, perfect for fans of Rebecca Steed, Ali Benjamin, and Holly Goldberg Sloan. Let's see. Patricia Sweet Pea DeMarco wasn't sure what to expect when her parents announced they were getting a divorce. She never could have imagined that they would have the brilliant idea of living in nearly identical houses on the same street. In the one house between them lives their eccentric neighbor, Miss Flora May. The famed local advice col columnist behind Miss Flora May I. Dividing her time between two homes is not easy, and it doesn't help that at school, Sweet Pea is now sitting right next to her ex-best friend, Kiera. A daily reminder of the friendship that once was. Things might be unbearable if Sweet Pea didn't have Oscar, her new best friend, and her 15-pound cat, Cheese. Then one day, Flora leaves for a trip and asks Sweet Pea to forward the letters for the column. And Sweet Pea happens to recognize the handwriting on one of the envelopes. What she decides to do with that letter sets up a chain of events that will forever change the lives of Sweet Pea DeMarco, her family, and many of the readers of Miss Flora May I. I, like I said, I love this book. I love the character of Sweet Pea. We do get a plus size main character, which is also good representation. We also have Sweet Pea's father, who had just recently come out to his family and he and his wife are getting a divorce, so he is having to, you know, struggle with the ramifications of coming out, not just to family, but also to friends and neighbors, and kind of the backlash he's getting from that. So I really, I like that we get the plus size representation and also LGBTQ representation as well. And it's a sweet heartwarming book. I loved Oscar. I loved her ex-best friend. You'll get, you'll get in and just, oh, and her cat Cheese is so adorable. He's this orange big giant fluff ball. He's so cute. And now I'm going to be the first to say I've not read Dumplin' yet, but I do plan to in the future. Also, the cover art of this book is so beautiful. It's a nice soft peach with two identical house, red houses with windows on each side of the door and a little window looking out of the roof. And we have Sweet Pea holding Cheddar. Oh, it's so cute. I love this cover. It's so beautiful. All right, the next book, of course, like I said, most of these are going to be middle grades. There are some young adults in there kind of thrown in here or there and also some adult historical fiction some adult historical fiction so the next one and this book actually came out march 27th 2018 
I'm trying to remember if I actually bought this right around the time it came out, or maybe I didn't, but I remember the book did sit on my shelf for probably about a year. I don't understand why. I think I might have picked it up once and tried to read it, and then I set it down. The book I'm talking about is The Parker Inheritance by Varian Johnson. This was such a good book that balances perfectly between present day and the past. Okay, here we go. The letter waits in a book, in a box, in an attic, in an old house in Lambert, South Carolina. It's waiting for Candace Miller. When Candace finds the letter, she isn't sure she should read it. It's addressed to her grandmother, after all, who left Lambert in a cloud of shame. But the letter describes a young woman named... Oh my gosh, I can't pronounce this name and I feel horrible. So I did look up how to spell the name. The name, well, how to pronounce the name, excuse me. It's S-I-O-B-H-A-N and I looked it up and it says it's pronounced Siobhan. So Siobhan Washington. Okay. An injustice that happened decades ago. A mystery unfolding the letter writer and the fortune that awaits the person who solves the puzzle. Grandma tried and failed, but now Candace has another chance. So with the help of Brandon Jones, the quiet boy across the street, she begins to decipher the clues in the letter. The challenge will lead them deep into Lambert's history, full of ugly deeds, the forgotten heroes, and one, of, and one great love and deeper into their own families with their own unspoken secrets. Can they find the fortune and fulfill the letter's promise before the summer ends? Absolutely brilliant, a great balance between the satisfaction of solving a mystery along with the stark reality of life in the Jim Crow South. With the side helping of showing how people are able to change for better or worse at all stages of life. This, of course, was quoted by Sarah Rutger, Porter Square Books, Cambridge, Massachusetts. This book, and I remember reading it and just, I couldn't get enough of this book. It's like I had to keep going. Whenever I had a free moment, which, mind you, I had a lot of free time this year, um, I just kept going back to it. And I kept asking myself this question, what took me so long to pick up this book. Why did I put it down the first time and I didn't even get past the first chapter? I honestly think sometimes with books, when we, like, start a book and, like, we're not into it, we set it aside, it's like, well, then that clearly means this wasn't the time to read that book. There's always a time, like, there's a reason, like, your mind's saying, pick this book up again, and you're like, but... I tried it and I couldn't get into it. And then your brain says, no, try again. When, get past the part where you stopped. And then from there, it just, it picked up and I was just flying through it. And I'm just like, I was pulled in to the mystery of the story and of the characters. I just, I loved them so much. And they just stayed so, a lot of these books that I've read, the way that the authors create these characters and bring them to life, it's like, you're on an adventure with your best friend. The next book here I actually read on my nook. And this is the perfect book 
for those of us that are book lovers that dream to like own a bookstore or work in a library, this book is for you guys. This also middle grade. It's called A Kind of Paradise by Amy Rebecca Tan. This book was re released April 30th of 2019, so it's about a year and a half old. Okay. Amy Rebecca Tan's debut novel is a heartwarming middle grade coming of age story about the power of community, the power of the library, and the power of forgiveness. Jamie Bunn made a mistake at the end of the school year, a big one, and every kid in her middle school knows all about it. Now she has to spend her summer vacation volunteering at the local library as punishment. It may be boring, but at least she'll be able to hide from the mean girl, Trina, who's always had it out for her, and beautiful Trey, the boy at the root of her big mistake, or so she thinks. Not only does her job bring her face to face with both her mortal enemy and her ultimate crush, Jamie also encounters a territorial patron, an elderly movie fanatic, a super tall painter who loves to bake, and a homeless dog. Over the course of the summer, as Jamie gets to know the library and the people in it, she finds and gives help where she least expects it, and she just might find herself along the way. Yes, the character of Jamie, she was dreading spending her summer vacation having to do com like community service hours working at the library. She also lives with her mom and aunt. Her mom and her aunt have... Jamie and her aunt have a really, really good relationship, and she has a good relationship with her mom. As far as her dad being not in the picture, I really honestly can't recall whether he moved out or whether, sadly, he passed. Um, but she she does learn a lot. I like how she gets to know the, the patrons that come into the library, regulars, also the people that work at the library, and it's just... It's such a good book on character growth as well. I mean, the Jamie we see in the beginning of the book and the Jamie we see at the end is like night and day difference. Also, this big mystery of what she did, this thing that everyone's still gossiping about even though school's out for the summer. And I kept asking, like, what exactly did she do that was so bad that involved embarrassing herself in front of her crush and of course her mortal enemy i i would definitely recommend this book i mean i saw this cover which is gorgeous by the way it's a nice mint green cover with a character and there's books kind of bordering it, the books are bordering the picture here and there's a nice arm oh that's right I remember the armchair, like, in the library, it had the book quotes all over it. And there was a guy there that would always come in. And even though it's summer and it's, like, 80-plus degrees outside, he's coming in wearing, like, heavy a heavy jacket. And he'd always come in, he'd sit in that chair with the quotes on it, and he'd charge his phone. And he'd be there for a good course of the day that the library was open. I just, I just recalled that just now, but I just, this is a gorgeous cover. It also has, um, some, mar it looks like marigolds. It also has a picture of a dog on the wall on the inside. 
It also has, I'm not sure what that, it's a, it's a bowl with um, some type of, uh, I'm going to say mush inside of it. Oh, that, oh, that's right. The glass jar with the flowers. Yes, there's a patron in the uh, library that, he's the movie fanatic. He comes in, he always gets a new movie. He tells Jamie about it. Like, have you seen this one? I think one of them was The Graduate. And um, he always brings in a new flower to put in the little glass vase that's on the um, the counter at the library checkout station. And it's just like everyone there, the patrons, they have their routine, whether they're there on a daily basis or it's a weekly basis. I just, I loved it. These characters, they just, they stay in my heart long after I've read the book. The next book, My Jasper June by Laurel Snyder. This book was released September 3rd, 2019. The school year is over and it is summer in Atlanta. The sky is blue, the sun is blazing, and the days brim with possibility. But Lee, excuse me, but Lee feels lost she has been this way since one terrible afternoon a year ago, when everything changed. Since that day, her parents have become distant, her friends have fallen away, and Lee's been adrift and alone. Then she meets Jasper, a girl unlike anyone she has ever known. There's something mysterious about Jasper, almost magical. And Jasper, Lee discovers, is also lost. Together, the girls carve out a place for themselves, a hideaway in the overgrown spaces of Atlanta, away from their parents and their hardships, somewhere only they can find. But as the days of this magical June start to draw to a close and the darker realities of their lives intrude once more, Lee and Jasper have to decide how real their friendship is and whether it can be enough to save them both. I do have to say there are a couple um, parts in this book that deal with homelessness and also the death of a family member. I just want to, if these are trigger warnings in, in any way for you, I do want to let you guys know. Jumping back to the Parker Inheritance, there is a character in the book that... Candace, excuse me, um, Candace's, gosh, I cannot say it, Candace's friend, Brandon, in the book, it is possibly assumed that he may be gay, so there is possible LGBTQ representation in this book, I just want to let you know, there is a scene with bullying and just another thing that could also be a trigger warning for those of you who have suffered with being bullied as a child so just um there is also a bit of violence in this book also when we do go into the past and the person who quoted this was saying the stark reality of life in the Jim Crow self there there's a lot of say uh segregated talk as well in here so another trigger warning just I'd like to let you guys know 
these things, especially when they come up, because I don't want you guys to have any surprises when it comes to things that you could easily be triggered by. I want you guys to be able to enjoy the book. Know that this piece, this section of a book it deals with this. And then that way you can process and work your way through it. So that way the book isn't ruined for you. The next book, Summer of a Thousand Pies by Margaret Dilloway. This book was released April 16th, 2019. Another book that does kind of deal with a smidge of homelessness. So, alright. When 12-year-old Caddy Bennett is sent to live with the aunt she didn't even know she had in the quaint mountain town of Julian, she doesn't know what to expect. Caddy isn't used to stability or even living inside. After growing up homeless in San Diego with her dad, now she's staying in her mother's old room, exploring the countryside filled with apple orchards and pie shops, making friends and working in Aunt Shell's own pie shop. And soon, Caddy starts to feel like she belongs. Then she finds out that Aunt Shell's pie shop is failing, saving the business and protecting the first place she's ever really felt safe will take everything she's learned and the help of all her new friends but there are some things even the perfect pie can't fix this was such a good book um i do want to say that and it's not i'm not ruining the book for you or giving away a spoiler the reason that caddy or katie um goes to live with her aunt, or I should say aunts, because there is LGBTQ representation in here. Her father ends up going to to jail or, or to prison, and he's got to serve out a, um, a sentence for that, so that's why she is staying with her, her aunts. And she's helping out at the pie shop and summer of a thousand pies i kept wondering like what is that um she takes it upon herself to she sets a goal for herself which is amazing she says that she is going to make a thousand pies by the end of summer and also and the thing is i've never watched the great british bake-off so when i heard the name mary berry who actually i did look it up is a real person at the time of reading this i didn't know she was a real person i thought she was like a fictional character made up for the sake of the story when it turns out no she mary berry seriously is a real person on the british bake-off or the greatest great british bake-off or baking show I have not watched an episode. I I think I should do that. I believe they are on the episodes or on Netflix. I really should check that out. Next book also deals with homelessness in a major way. This is by Daniel Spetkov. I apologize if I mispronounced the name. This book was released February 4th, 2020. And one thing that appealed to me was the cover is very, very bright. We see a VW van, orange, and 
gray on the bottom. We also see the title Park is in yellowish-orange lettering. We see a couple of the main characters. One is wearing a t-shirt and blue overalls and reading a book. The other one is wearing a cream white long sleeve button up with a red bow tie and has a pencil in one hand and a pad of paper in the other. Looks like he is an artist. I am going to be 100% honest. I did struggle with this book. This book is very, and I mean very, very character oriented. It is a character growth book. And it's split between the two characters here. So I'm going to read the synopsis. For fans of Rebecca Steed and Joan Bauer comes a scrappy, poignant, uplifting debut about family, friendship, and the importance of learning both how to offer help and how to accept it. A big-hearted novel with characters I wish were my friends in real life. This is a quote from Jennifer Choldenko, of, author of the Al Capone at Alcatraz series. Let's see. Jeannie, I'm just going to call her G-E, or it's J-E-A-N-N-E, and then Anne. So, Jeannie Ann is smart, stubborn, living in an orange van, and determined to find a permanent address before the start of seventh grade. Cal is tall, sensitive, living in a humongous house across the street, and determined to save her. Jeannie Ann is roughly as enthusiastic about his help as she is about living in a van. As the two form a tentative friendship that grows deeper over alternating, alternating chapters, they are buoyed by a cast of complex oddball characters who let them down, lift them up, and leave you cheering. Debut novelist Danielle Svetkov shines a light on a big problem without a ready answer, nailing heartbreak and hope pulling and pulling it off with a humor and warmth that make the funny parts of Jeannie, Anne, and Cal's story cathartic and the difficult parts all the more moving. Now, I don't always have a problem with a book that is mainly character-driven. It's taking these two characters and we see them along the way as, as they struggle. and But it just seemed like there were times like the story just kind of came to a halt or it wasn't progressing as fastly as I'd liked. And it just kind of bogged down because this book is over, this book is 400 pages. And at some points it did feel like it kind of dragged. More than likely I probably read another book alongside it. Sometimes I do that when books are pretty big or I'm just not getting, I'm not as into the book that I'm reading, but I really, that's the thing. I wanted to finish this book because I wanted to find out the outcome Jumping back to Summer of a Thousand Pies, I like to talk about the covers that are really, really gorgeous. This one's no different. We got a blueberry pie in the upper right corner of the book. We got a strawberry rhubarb pie in the lower right-hand corner. And in the lower left-hand corner, we have what looks like, well, one of these might, I think one is strawberry and one is rhubarb. 
or maybe that's cherry, I can't tell. But in the upper left corner is the most adorable white cat curled up with its eyes closed and its tail is underneath its chin. It's so cute. And the color is gorgeous. I just, I love this. It's a nice light, light blue. Alright, so the next book I'm going to move on to is the first YA that I've read of 2020. By a favorite YA contemporary, contemporary author, Four Days of You and Me by Miranda Kennelly. I loved this book. I think I read it over the course of two days. Maybe even less than two days. It pro was probably like less than 24 hours. This book was released May 5th of 2020, so it was released this year in the spring. Okay. A new swoon talk. A new swoon-worthy romance following a couple's love story on the same date over 4 years. Every May 7, the students at Coffee County High School take a take a class trip. And every year, Lulu's relationship with Alex Rovelis, R-O-U-V-E-L-I-S, gets a little more complicated. Freshman year, they went from sworn enemies to more than friends after a close encounter in an escape room. It's been hard for Lulu to quit Alex ever since. Through breakups, makeups, and dating other people, each year's class trip brings the, the pair back together and forces them to confront their undeniable connection. From the Science Museum to an amusement park, from New York City to London, Lulu learns one thing is for sure. Love is the biggest trip of all. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> I want to read my review that I wrote. If I could rate this book 10 stars, I would. It was amazing. And I added a little winky emoji, emoji with like four five exclamation points. I'm already waiting for Miranda Kennelly's next book. I've already read her previous ones. These are the kind of books I love. The ones where I drop whatever I'm doing and I block out the world to fully to be fully engrossed in a book. I can't recommend it enough. If that's not enough to get you to read this book, I don't know what else I can do. <laughs> I added that little part right now. Okay. Now, on to another middle grade. This one was a cute one. This is the first book I've read of Ellie. Wait. Actually, no. I think it's the second book of Ellie Swartz that I've read. This one is Smart Cookie. This came out January 30th, 2018. Sometimes you need to keep a few secrets. Frankie knows she'll be in big trouble if Dad discovers she secretly posted a dating profile for him online, but she's determined to find him a wife even if she ends up grounded for life. Frankie wants what she had before mom died, a family of three. Two is a pair of socks or the wheels on a bicycle or a busy weekend at the B&B &B where Frankie and dad live. Three is a family and Frankie's is missing a piece, but Operation Mom is harder to pull off than Frankie expects. None of the possibles are very momish. The B&B's guests keep canceling. 
Frankie's getting the silent treatment from her once best friend, and there's a maybe ghost hanging around. Worst of all, Graham and Dad are definitely hiding secrets of their own. If a smart cookie like Frankie wants to save the B&B and find her missing piece, she's going to have to figure out what secrets are worth keeping and when it's time to let go. This was a cute book. I loved this. Also, I love that she had a pet hedgehog. That was really cute, too. And they also, she also has a pet big, um, a beagle puppy. Her other book I would have read and actually reviewed in my quarantine uh, book recommendations, give and take, if you want to hear my thoughts on that one. Because I read that at the beginning of January 2020. So that one was also a really good book. It looks like Ellie Schwartz's next book won't come out until 2022. <laughs> we gotta wait so long. I will give you the synopsis, though. It looks really cute. The contemporary middle grade novel. It's the novel. It's called Dear Student. Okay. Dear Student. The contemporary middle grade novel stars a girl with social anxiety who becomes the secret voice of the advice column in her middle school newspaper and is faced with a dilemma. How does she give advice to friends who want different things while keeping her identity a secret? So this publication is slated for spring 2022. So we have over a year and a half to wait for this book. But that's alright. There are plenty of good book recommendations I can give you while we all wait for it. The next book is the sequel to Throwback by Peter Larangus. This is, second book is called Chaos Loop. So I'm going to read the premise for the first one, even though I did cover that in the quarantine book recommendations podcast episode, but that way I can kind of give you guys like a heads up. Okay, so Throwback came out in uh, October 2019. Here we go. An electrified new trilogy about a boy who discovers that he alone may be able to alter the course of history. Corey Fletcher has an active imagination. He sees things no one else does, cracks jokes no one else gets, and goes places a few goes places few would ever dare to go, like the past. All he needs is a metal artifact from a point in time, and Corey can go there. Although, hundreds of time travelers live in secret throughout the world, including Corey's own grandfather, none has the ability to change past events. But when Corey accidentally saves a life while time traveling, he realizes that he is the first ever throwback with the power to alter life as we know it, which means his own life is now in all sorts of danger. This is the first book in a thrilling edge-of-your-seat adventure series from a New York Times bestselling author, Peter Larangus, whose books have sold over five and a half million copies. Okay, now I am going to read the synopsis for the sequel. If you haven't read the first book or you don't want to be spoiled by this summary, you can skip ahead like 30 seconds. Okay. The second installment in a trilogy about a boy who discovers that he alone can alter the course of history. Ever since Corey Fletcher found out that he's the world's first throwback with the power 
to not only visit history, but change it. He's been spending as much time in the past as possible. Corey loves using his skills to fix problems and help his friends and family. But as Corey becomes more and more addicted to rewriting history, he learns that time travel might change him in ways he may never be able to reverse. Aware now that he can't keep going into the past forever, Corey decides to use the trips he still has to change history in the most meaningful way he can imagine by stopping Adolf Hitler. But when Corey travels back to World War II era Germany, he quickly learns that the forces of history are strong and that it's going to take a lot more than his good intentions to turn back the tides of evil or even to survive them. Let me tell you, when I got through with that ending, I jumped on Twitter. I found Peter Larangus's Twitter and I said, my gosh, that book, that ending... And what he tweeted to me is like, you have no idea what I have in store for the third book. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, this is the first adult fiction, historical fiction book, which I really, really enjoyed. It's called Homefront Girls by Suzanne Hayes and Loretta Nyan. This came out September 3rd, 2019. Dear Glory, loneliness is built into the fabric of this war, isn't it? I say a little pair, a prayer before I stick my hand in the mailbox. The Rockport, Massachusetts stamp on the front of an envelope means the clouds will part, revealing a brilliant sun. It's January 1943 when Rita Vincenzo receives her first letter from Glory Whitehall. Glory is an effervescent young mother from New England, impulsive and free as a bird. Rita is a Midwestern professor's wife with a love of gardening and a generous old soul. These two women have nothing in common except one powerful bond. The men they love are fighting in a war, a world away from home. Brought together by an unlikely twist of fate, Glory and Rita began a remarkable correspondence. The friendship forged by their letters allow them to survive the loneliness and uncertainty of waiting on the home front and gives them the courage to face the battles raging in their very own backyards. Connected across the country by the lifeline of the written word, each woman finds her life profoundly altered by the other's unwavering support. Filled with unforgettable characters and unbridled charm, Homefront Girls is a timeless celebration of the strength and solidarity of women. It is a luminous reminder that even in the darkest of times, true friendship will carry us through. And it says previously published as I'll be seeing you. This was actually the first historical fiction or adult fiction book that I had read of 2020. A lot of the books I read, as you heard, have been middle grade books or occasionally oh, a young adult book. But it had been a while. I was like, gosh, I hadn't read a historical fiction book. And I saw, when I saw this book at Meyer, this, this cover, guys, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. I love it. It's a woman standing... In the middle of town, it's one of those old towns. Well, of course, it's set around the 40s. And we just see the buildings that have, one has an American flag attached to it. You see some little um, red, white, and blue mini flag decorations stretching from one building uh, the side of the street to the other. 
and just a lot of red, white, and blue. We see a woman with her hair, long uh, hair, a red shirt, black skirt, holding a letter. And I, it's either early morning. I think it's early morning is what this picture is. And it's, it's gorgeous. I, there are some covers that I absolutely just love. And this is one of them. Because the picture, the cover speaks volumes. And I know I'd passed it before. And something, you know, the first thing I do is I jump on Goodreads. I scan the barcode of the book. I see what the rating is. I see what people review it. And I'm like, you know what? This is right up my alley. Because I love adult fiction, especially historical fiction, is really right up my alley. A book that definitely goes hand in hand with what we've dealt with this year. Don't Stand Too Close to Me by Eric Walters. This book came out, oh this is the Kindle edition that came out in September. This book probably came out right around May while everyone was kind of homebound for the time being. Kind of like myself. I'd only go out like once a week to get groceries. So, in this book, this is great. This is for kids and stuff to kind of help them understand and kind of feel like they're not alone with everything that's going on. 13-year-old Quinn and her friends can't believe their luck when it's spring break. Or when spring break is extended an extra two weeks. Even it's be if it's because of some virus. But when the impact of the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic becomes apparent, everyone, not just the students, has to learn to adjust to their new reality. Quinn's father is an ER doctor and has to self-isolate to protect his family from the virus. Isaac's mother is the chief of police and now has to enforce new physical distancing bylaws. Reese can't visit her grandmother in her care home anymore. And their entire school has moved to online classes. Sacrifices have to be made to keep everyone safe. But there's more to life than rules and scary news reports. In an effort to find some good in all this uncertainty, Quinn comes up with an idea that she hopes will bring the entire community together. This was a quick read, but it was also very good. I like that the author put this book out at the time that he did, so that way kids feel like they're not alone and they have characters that they can that they can relate to. You know, we have a character, you know, Quinn's got a father who works in the ER. So we have that side of it. We have uh, Isaac, whose mother's the chief of police. And we kind of see that vantage point. And, of course, Reese, wh whose grandmother who's living in an, assist an assisted living facility. And, you know, the same thing with that, with the nursing care centers and stuff. You can't visit your relatives that are there because... They are very, their health is at stake. They're very, very vulnerable and everything like that. So I like that we get those three sides of it. And think about it. This came out right around May. This is right after, I mean, if I remember correctly, May, no, March 16th would have been my last day at work. And at first it was like, well, we'll be just shut down for a couple weeks. We get to April, the governor, this is back when I lived in Michigan, the governor said another stay-at-home order is in place until further notice. 
And then May rolls around and same thing. And I'm still at home and I'm still, you know, working on podcasts and I'm still doing what I'm doing. And I'm still trying to fill my days with stuff. And then June comes around and it's just like, well, this, you know, I want to get back to my job. <laughs> Even, and then also at the same time, Jeremy and I are trying to get our house or you're trying to do the move and everything technically we would have been down here in texas our goal originally in 2019 was to be down here in may in spring but with everything being set back you know kind of put things on hold where we didn't get down here until like early september around labor day but still and not to mention all the stuff and the planning that i had to do to be able to get the house all ready you know Things had to be done and fixed. New flooring had to be put in. The basement had to be taken care of, which I learned that um, if you guys have been listening to the podcast for quite a while, you guys know that I'd had this cough. You can hear it in the intro to the Oh My Land to Holy Chalupas Full House podcast sound. And more I didn't know this until the realtor kind of looked around in the basement like you need to get this mold in the basement taken care of and I'm thinking I bet anything that it's been down there for quite a while and I had no idea and that was what was contributing to my cough I mean I might cough a little bit here and there and but it's not anything like what was before it is definitely a relief here's the next young adult book that I oh I loved this book I got to do a zoom session with an author David McQueen who wrote the invincible summer of Juniper Jones this book came out in June June 16th of 2020 oh this book this book was my everything guys this was the summer read for me it was great it's the summer of 1955 For Ethan Harper, a biracial kid raised mostly by his white father, race has always been a distant conversation. When he's sent to spend the summer with his aunt and uncle in small-town Alabama, his blackness is suddenly front and center, and no one is shy about making it known he's not welcome there. Except for juniper jones the town's resident oddball and free spirit she's everything the townspeople aren't open kind and full of acceptance armed with two bikes and an unlimited supply of root beer floats ethan and juniper set out to find their place in a town that's bent on rejecting them as ethan is confronted for the first time both by what it means to be black in america juniper tries to help him see the beauty in even in even the ugliest reality and that even the darkest days can give rise to an invincible summer david mcqueen's juniper jones is a character for all ages in the sweet coming of age story set in 1950s alabama i i i want to read what i wrote i get this of course five stars I loved this book so much, and the characters, Ethan and Juniper, will forever have a place in my heart. And that is 100% true, guys. These characters, I love them so much, and I love their story. And good God, did I cry at the end. Uh, I mean, we all, honestly, we need a Juniper Jones in our life like Ethan had. We've really... (laughs) She, she is the, the the one bright spot that just made everything that 
was horrible about that town, she made it good. Like, that one shining spark that gets you out of bed, that keeps you going, that keeps you pushing and pushing and pushing. She just, like, as long as I have Juniper, I'm gonna be okay. We have another book here by Margaret Dilloway. She wrote The Summer of a Thousand Pies, which I talked about. This was published June, uh, June 9th of 2020, and this cover is gorgeous. I love that it's a character. This is also um, a minority character, too, just like Ethan. Five Things About Ava Andrews by Margaret Dilloway. <clears throat> you know, I love my Diet Coke, but gosh, I don't like the... Uh, I don't like the burpiness. That's why I keep having a pause. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the synopsis, and then of course I'm gonna read. I don't review. I don't like put a review on every single one. Only the really good ones that I just adore. Okay, a story about a shy 11 year old who learns to manage her anxiety through improv classes and discovers her activist voice. 11-year-old Ava Andrews has a technicolor interior with a gray shell. On the inside, she bubbles with ideas and plans. On the outside, everyone except her best friend Zila thinks she doesn't talk or worse is stuck up. What nobody knows is that Ava has invisible disabilities, anxiety, and a heart condition. Ava hopes middle school will be a fresh start, but when Zila moves across the country and Ava's Nana Linda pushes her to speak up about social issues, she withdraws further. So Ava is shocked when her writing abilities impress her classmates and they invite her to join their improv group making up stories on stage. Determined to prove she can control her anxiety, she joins and discovers a whole new side of herself and what it means to be on a team. But as Ava's self-confidence blooms, her relationship with Zelia strains and she learns that it isn't enough just to raise your voice. It's how and why you use it that matters. So I want to read my review. I love this book so much. I felt myself connecting to Ava. Oh my gosh, I wrote this review on my birthday. <laughs> I just recognized the date. I felt myself connecting to Ava and how she handled her anxiety on a day-to-day -day basis. I could definitely understand the emotions she was experiencing. I felt, I really felt happy that the improv kids made her feel so welcoming and comfortable and accepted her. Her patching the issues with Zelia and Ty towards the end Spoiler, guys, sorry. Um, when she gained her confidence to speak up and make changes, and everyone rallying together to save their neighborhood community hotspot warmed, warmed my heart. Yes, I'm sorry, that is a little teeny tiny spoiler. I apologize, but I loved the character. I really felt connected to her. Just her anxiety and what she was feeling. It's like, I, I feel you, Ava. I do. Because I felt that way as a kid. And it's amazing now as an adult with these books coming out, I can finally put names and words and learn how to properly address what I was feeling back then. I didn't have books like this when I was her age. I had nothing like that. I had a school psychiatrist that I went and saw like once a week or maybe a couple times a week 
from the time I was in elementary school, middle school, and high school. So I learned how to articulate my feelings. The next one, The Fountains of Silence. This actually was the book that I finished right before we left Michigan. And part of me was like, I wish I could have saved it. But now looking back on that trip and just like beforehand, I'm going to read this book and that book and that book. It was so miserably hot, even with the AC on in the car. I had no interest in reading anything. And I was more concerned about my cat, my rabbit, and my hamster. Sadly, like if you've listened to the podcast, you know that unfortunately after we moved here a couple days after we moved in, my hamster Liesl passed away. And then a week later, my rabbit London had passed away. And it's still really hard, especially now with the holidays. You know, having to see their their stockings and not being able to put them up. But and I, I just I keep asking myself, why, God, why did that have to happen? Why did I have to lose them? I don't know. But The Fountains of Silence, of course, by one of my favorite authors, R- Ruta Sepetis. This book came out October two- October 1st, 2019. All right. I finished the book on September 4th, like two days before we left. A Portrait of Love, Silence, and Secrets. Under a Spanish dictatorship, Madrid, 1957. Under the fascist dictatorship of General Francisco Franco, Spain is hiding a dark secret. Meanwhile, tourists and foreign businessmen flood into Spain under the welcoming promise of sunshine and wine. Among them is 18-year-old Daniel Matheson, the son of an oil tycoon who arrives in Madrid with his parents, hoping to connect with the country of his mother's birth through the lens of his camera. Photography and fate introduce him to Anna, whose family's interweaving obstacles reveal the lingering grasp of the Spanish Civil War, as well as chilling definitions of fortune and fear. Daniel's photographs leave him with uncomfortable questions amidst shadows of danger. He is backed into a corner of difficult decisions to protect those he loves. Lives and hearts collide, revealing an incredibly dark side to the sunny Spanish city. Includes vintage media reports, oral history commentary, photos, and more. Again, this cover is gorgeous. I I love it. It's it's kind of sepia toned, kind of yellow sepia toned. The character, I believe Anna, is the one who's wearing a pale yellow dress. She's holding what looks like a red napkin with a hotel key. And the thing is about this is like when you pre-ordered the book you got that little hotel key as you know a pre-order gift and I still have it. I mean the little uh thing connecting it kind of broke off but I still have the key but I love every one of Ruta Sepetis's books she is an amazing young adult historical fiction writer she writes about stories that sometimes have been buried or passed over for other stories one in particular that i do want to bring to light is called salt to the sea now this book i want to bring to light because 
we all know about Titanic, but what we don't know is about the Wilhelm, Wilhelm Gustav. <clears throat> now, Salt of the Sea came out in February of 2016. I'm going to read the synopsis for this. While the Titanic and Lustrania, Lustrania, I'm sorry, I mispronounced the ship's name, are both well-documented disasters. The single greatest tragedy in maritime history is a little-known January 30th, 1945, sinking in the Baltic Sea by a Soviet submarine of the Wilhelm Gustav, a German cruise liner that was supposed to ferry wartime personnel and refugees safely from the advancing Red Army. The ship was overcrowded with more than 10,500 passengers. The intended capacity was approximately 1,800, and more than 9,000 people, including 5,000 children, lost their lives. Sepetis, writer of Between Shades of Grey, which actually, guys, there's a connection between Between Shades of Grey and Salt to the Sea. I'm not going to tell you what the connection is. You'll have to read Between Shades of Grey and this book to get the connection. So, she crafts four fictionalized but historically accurate voices to convey the real-life tragedy. Joanna, a Lithuanian with nursing experience. Florian, a... Prussian soldier fleeing the Nazis with stolen treasure, and Emilia, a Polish girl close to the end of her pregnancy, converge on their escape journeys as Russian troops advance. Each will eventually meet Albert, a Nazi peon, P-E-O-N, with delusions of grandeur assigned to the Gustav decks. Oh, I did not like Albert, and you guys will not like him either. He was a garbage dump of a human being. And I know I say that a lot when describing people I don't like. Another book also brings to light a part of history. I had no idea of this taking place. But I love Lindsay Curry. Also another favorite writer who writes paranormal middle grade fiction. Which I love when authors do this. They bring to light the stories that we probably would glance over or not give a second notice to because of, like I said, like Titanic overshadowing some of the other bigger, you know, ship disasters out there. The book, of course, I'm talking about is called Scritch Scratch by Lindsay Curry. This book came out September 1st, 2020. I, of course, read it in October. Perfect for the season of Halloween. I just want a nice spooky read. And this book really delivered. A ghost story about a malevolent spirit, an unlucky girl, and a haunting mystery that will tie the two together. Claire has absolutely no interest in the paranormal. She's a scientist, which is why she can't think of anything worse than having to help out her dad on one of his ghost-themed Chicago bus tours. She thinks she's made it through when she sees a boy with a sad face and dark eyes at the back of the bus. There's something off about his presence, especially because when he checks, when she checks at the end of the tour, he's gone. Claire tries to brush it off. She must be imagining things, letting her dad's ghost stories get the best of her. But 
Then the scratching starts, voices whispering to her in the dark. The number 396 appears everywhere she turns, and the boy with the dark eyes starts following her. Claire is being haunted. The boy from the bus wants something, and Claire needs to find out what she needs to find out what before it's too late. This book is amazing. Um, I don't want to spoil the ending and how the boy is connected to the number 396. Or if he is, just I urge you check that book out because it is amazing. You don't have to wait till October to read it. You know, you can read paranormal fiction anytime. Alright, the next book I read, another middle grade, called Just a Drop of Water by Carrie O'Malley. Sarah. This book actually came out September 2nd, 2014. So, yeah. The book's about six years old. It was really good. I really liked it. I wanted to read something for September with, you know, 9-11, you know, when it was, you know, around the corner. Like, I want to read something in light of that. So, Ever since he was little, Jake Green has longed to be a soldier and a hero like his grandpa, who died serving his country. Right now, though, he just wants to outsmart and outrun the rival cross-country team, the Pal- Palmetto Bugs. But then the tragedy of September 11 happens. It's quickly discovered that one of the hijackers lived nearby, making Jake's Florida town an FBI hotspot. Two days later, the tragedy becomes even more personal when Jake's best friend, Sam Medina, is pummeled for being an Arab Arab Muslim by their bully classmate, Bobby. According to Jake's personal code of conduct, anyone who beats up your best friend is due for butt-kicking. And so Jake goes after Bobby, but soon after, Sam's father is detained by the FBI and Jake's mom doubts the innocence of Sam's family, forcing Jake to choose between his best friend and his parents. When Jake finds out that Sam's been keeping secrets too, he doesn't know who his allies are anymore. But the final blow comes when his grandpa's real past is revealed to Jake. Suddenly, everything he ever knew to be true feels like one big lie. In the end, he must decide. Either walk away from Sam and the revenge that Bobby has planned or become the hero he's always aspired to be. A gripping and intensely touching debut middle grade novel by Carrie O'Malley, Sarah. Just a Drop of Water brings the events of September 11, which shook the world, into the lens of a young boy who is desperately trying to understand the ramifications of this life-altering event. Winner of the Florida Book Award, the Crystal Kite Award, and named to VOYA's Top Shelf Fiction for Middle Readers 2014 list. Just a drop of water is a read for all age levels. (laughs) Now, the next three books are going to be spooky-based for the fact that I read them during October. One is actually the first... I think it's the first graphic novel I've ever read, but the first book, of course, is the one of the three spooky ones. This one was an alright read. I liked it. The Haunting of Henry Davis by Catherine Siebel. Book came out July 2nd, 2019. Actually, it's a short read. It's only about 240 pages. Plus, I read it on my nook. I didn't have a physical copy. 
I did rate this one three out of five stars. Two kids are about to find out that their lives are anything but ordinary when a ghost from the 1918 flu pandemic arrives and stirs up adventure. Perfect for fans of A Tale Dark and Grim, ghosts only haunt when they've left something behind. When Henry Davis moves into the neighborhood, Barbara Ann and her classmates at Washington Carver Elementary don't know what to make of him. He's pale, small, odd. For curious Barbara Ann, Henry's also a riddle, a boy who sits alone at recess sketching in a mysterious notebook, a boy, she soon learns, who's being haunted by a ghost named Edgar. With the help of some new friends, this unlikely duo is off on an adventure to discover who Edgar was while alive and why he's haunting Henry now. Together, they might just help Edgar find what he needs to finally be at peace. I thought this book was good. Um, I did kind of find that maybe I wanted it to be a little more than it was. Like I wanted it to have a little more body to it, a little more heft. It just felt like a a light read with not a lot, a lot of depth to the characters. Like it definitely wasn't character driven, which that can be a good thing and a bad thing in a way for me. But this one just felt like it was missing something to give it that extra oomph. But I definitely would recommend it. Like I said, my average when it comes to rating books on Goodreads is if I if I like it and maybe wouldn't necessarily read it again, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a three out of five. Like if I just liked it. Now if I liked liked it, then I'm gonna give it a four out of five. Mainly, I think I rarely give, it's either going to be a three or it's going to be a straight out five. This next book I thought was cute (laughs) and it was, oh, it made me so hungry. (laughs) The Ghost in Apartment 2R by Dennis Markell. This book came out November 12th, 2019. I gave this one five out of five stars. What if there was a ghost in your brother's room? This kid-friendly mystery about three friends who try to help a restless spirit find peace is perfect for fans of Under the Egg, which I haven't read, and The Book Scavenger. I haven't read that either. It stinks that Danny's older brother moved out and went to college, but you know what's worse? He left behind an angry ghost in his room. With the help of his friends Nat and Gus, Danny interviews everyone his Brooklyn neighborhood or interviews everyone in his Brooklyn neighborhood to find out about spirits. Is it an Arabian ghoul, a Korean guishin, a Polish haunting? Maybe the answer lies with Danny's own bubby and her tales of, I cannot pronounce, D-Y-B-B-U-K, Dibuk, a Jewish mythological ghost, Regardless of its origins, what does the spirit truly want? And can Danny manage to bring the phantom to rest? So, basically, and this really isn't spoiling anything. Um, Danny's brother moves out. And, like, the synopsis says, an angry ghost. <laughs> he leaves an M- a angry ghost behind, which it seems like really only Danny can see this thing. And the and 
the poor kid. Danny lives in a closet. And how many times does he say it's in the book? Uh, don't tell me any Harry Potter jokes. Trust me, I've heard all of them. But he lives in a closet. And you think once his brother moves out and goes to college, it's like, okay, great, the room is mine now. No, actually his mom and dad decide to redo the room, paint it, you know, make it look really good, and rent the room out to people that are visiting, visiting the Brooklyn area. And it's just... <laughs> you get a cast of characters that come into that room. Uh, but what I loved, and what, why I said this book makes me hungry, is Nat, Danny's friend, um, her grandfather, well, actually, this family store is run by her dad, but her grandfather is still there even though he retired. But the food, guys, you read this book you better have something handy to snack on because this food, this food made me hungry for foods I don't think I've ever eaten. I mean, I've had hummus and the way the book says, oh, not, not that store-bought hummus. Oh no, you want this hummus. And I'm just like, okay, the and I've been reading when I finish books, I've been reading like the authors know, like how they got inspired about the book, people that they, you know, when they do research in their neighborhood and stuff like that. And how is like I think the store was based on like some of the stores that were there or in Brooklyn, and I'm just like I want to go, I want to find some of this amazing hummus and so many like fifty or seventy different types of olives. Now I'm not an olive person, but this book made me want to try some olives. <laughs> I mean, if a book can make me try something that I normally probably wouldn't like then that's an A-plus in my book. But definitely, like I said, you don't have to read these books necessarily around October. You can read them whenever. But I just, I like the atmosphere that certain seasons bring. The next book I liked, I thought was good. I did write this, rate this one a five star. Ghosts. <laughs> See, that's the problem with drinking pop too. It dries, and talking, it dries your mouth out. <laughs> Ghost. Squad. <laughs> I had to say it like better. This came out April 7th of 2020. By This is by Clarabelle A. Ortega. And this is another kind of ghosty book. Um, the taglines for this that they use. Coco meets Stranger Things with a hint of Ghostbusters. Now let me tell you. I get the Coco aspect. I even get the Ghostbusters aspect. But the Stranger Things aspect, I'm like, you know, I didn't feel a Stranger Things aspect. And you guys, if you know me, I love Stranger Things. I've seen all three seasons. I have my Funko Pop Stranger Things characters. But I was not, I, I think that it's like, hey, what's hot right now? Stranger Things? Oh, this is a spooky type of book. Let's, let's throw in Stranger Things. Because it didn't feel like that. I felt Coco's eminence, and I felt the Ghostbusters. I even felt the Goonies because, and I'm, I'm Goonies is okay. I, I gotta watch. I gotta watch it. Um, but I just <laughs> the Goon, the cats, the um character. Well, let me um her uh Sid. 
let me read the synopsis first so you know what, like, who said, who's this person? What are you talking about, the Goonies? All right, let me start over. Coco meets Stranger Things with a hint of Ghostbusters in this action-packed supernatural fantasy. For loosely Luna, ghosts are more than just the family business. Shortly before Halloween, Loosely and her family, <laughs> Loosely and her family, Loosely and her best friend Sid cast a spell that accidentally awakens malicious spirits, wrecking havoc throughout St. Augustine. Together, they must join forces with Sid's witch, Grandmother Babette, and her tubby tabby, <laughs> I love that tubby tabby, chunk to fight the haunting head-on and reverse the curse to save the town and loosely firefly spirits before it's too late with the family dynamics of coco an action-packed adventure of ghostbusters clarabelle a ortega delivers both a thrilling thrillingly spooky and delightful sweet debut novel now when i say the goonies and sid's grandma Babette. She has a bunch of cats. They are all named after those kids from the Goonies. Uh, Mike, um, Chunk, uh, what the heck were their other? M Mike, Chunk, Mouth, um, what's the boy's name? The one, um, he was in Indiana Jones. I can't think of it. I'm going to look it up because I'm going to, you're like, how do you not know their names? Well, I just told you, I haven't watched all the Goonies. Mikey. Okay, it wasn't Mikey. It was Mikey. Mouth. Chunk. Oh my gosh, this guy looks a lot different than he did 19, when did this movie get? 85. I would have been three. Okay. So we got Mikey, Chunk, Mouth. I think Sloth was another one. I don't know if data. Okay, data, data, data. I don't know if he was in there too. But um, now I gotta say I I did like this book. I did like it. I thought it. I'm gonna say it was cute. The one thing I did not care for was the fact that the book. This is a short book. It's only 288 pages. But I didn't care for the fact that everything ramped up and, like, was quickly fixed and wrapped in a bow. It was that quickly done up and taken care of. And, and I kept looking like, oh, there's only so few pages. How are they going to wrap all this up? And they wrap it up so fast. It's like, you felt like there could have been some loose ends that could have been tied up. Or... Maybe some more explanations or some things that were more explained or just, it felt like it, it was missing something like, again, like the haunting of Henry Davis. It just, it needed something more to give it more bulk. You know, when you're reading a story and it just, the characters feel fleshed out and the backstory and just you know about the characters and you know that's kind of what I like about authors they spent not that this person didn't spend time creating these characters they're cute characters I, I liked them but I just felt I wanted more detail from the characters from the story from the the history of the the witch council and stuff like that with Sid's grandmother Babette I wish we could have gotten a little more history in that um 
I, I wish we could have learned a little more about um, Loosely Luna's mother and how that all played out and everything like that. I just, it just felt like it was missing something that I just wish the characters in the story would have been fleshed out. If we'd have added maybe another 50 pages to this book, I think. And yes, I did give it a 5 out of 5 stars because I did like it. I, I thought it was good. But just it needed more. And I'm wondering if there might be a possible sequel in the works eventually. Is this a sequel? I don't know what that is. What is this? Oh, it's a graphic novel. Oh, okay. And the ending felt like, honestly, before I move on to the next book, it felt like it was setting itself up for a sequel. Like, oh, this is going to be a trilogy. We're going to learn more about the characters going into the next book. Maybe get information that I wish we had had in the first book. But I would recommend it. It was cute. The graphic novel I read called Ghosts by Raina Telgemeer, T-E-L-G-E-M-E-I-E-R. I liked the graphics. I thought they were good. Um, anyone who does suffer from or is working their way through any medical triggers might want to avoid this book. Okay, so I'll do describe. Katrina and her family are moving to the coast of Northern California because her little sister Maya is sick. Kat isn't happy about leaving her friends for... I cannot pronounce... Baja de la Luna? But Maya has cystic fibrosis and will benefit from the cool, salty air that blows in from the sea. As the girls explore their new home, a neighbor lets them in on a secret. There are ghosts in Baja de... La Luna. Maya is determined to meet one, but Cat wants nothing to do with them. As the time of year when ghosts reunite with their loved ones approaches, Cat must figure out how to put aside her fears for her sister's sake and her own. The topic of death does come up in relation to the younger sister being sick. I will say that. And, I mean, I thought the book was cute. I really liked and again, this was my first graphic novel. I actually bought some other graphic novels when I bought this one and stuff. And I, I, I think graphic novels are nice. Maybe it just depends on... I, I like this one. I didn't necessarily love it. So... But the illustrations were really cute. It definitely gave me a Coco vibe from that. Another book with a medical trigger... What Stars Are Made Of by Sarah Allen. This was a good book. Uh, another short one. This one actually was very short. It was only 208 pages. I did read it on my nook. 12-year-old Libby Monroe is great at science. Being optimistic and talking to her famous accomplished friends. Okay, maybe that last one is only in her head. She's not great at playing piano sitting still, or figuring out how to say the right thing at the right time in real life. Libby was born with Turner Syndrome, and that makes some things hard. But she has lots of people who love her, and that makes her pretty lucky. When her big sister Nani tells her she's pregnant, Libby is thrilled, but worried. 
Nani and her husband are in a financial black hole, and Libby knows that babies aren't always born healthy. So she strikes a deal with the universe. She'll enter a contest with a project about Cecilia Payne, the first person to discover what stars are made of. If she wins the grand prize and gives all that money to Nani's family, then the baby will be perfect. Does she have what it takes to care for the sister that has always cared for her, and what will it take for the universe to notice? I'm going to get some water. My mouth is like really dry. I've been talking for a while. I'll be right back. Now, I did really like this book. I thought it was eye-opening on a condition, a medical condition that I had never heard of before. So this really highlighted that for me. And I even, I wanted to search out like who is Celia Payne? Who is, or what is Turner's Syndrome other than what the author is describing through the character and, and everything. So... I would definitely recommend this. Again, trigger medical trigger warning for those of you out there that are struggling with that and are working your way through those types of triggers. The next one, this book, this author is one of my, I know I say, I've said that about a few, but this is one of these authors that I have followed for probably... The last two to three years. And that book, this is an adult historical fiction book called... Are you yawning? No, it's not called that. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's called The Orphan Collector by Ellen Marie Wiseman. Just like Brutus Apetus is a historical young adult writer, this Ellen Marie Wiseman, who wrote The Orphan Collector, is just absolutely phenomenal. This book actually was slated to come out, I think it was like last fall, but it got pushed back all the way to um, July. So, and and this book honestly, this book couldn't have come out in a better year. With, With everything going on this year, this book was so fitting for the times that we're in. In the fall of 1918, 13-year-old German immigrant Pia Lang longs to be far from Philadelphia's overcrowded slums and the anti-immigrant sentiment that compelled her father to enlist in the U.S. Army. But as her city celebrates the end of war, an even more urgent threat arrives. The Spanish flu. Funeral crepe in quarantine signs appear on doors as victims drop dead in the streets and despite an er excuse me and desperate survivors wear white masks to ward off illness when food runs out in the cramped tenement she calls home pia must venture alone into the quarantine city in search of supplies leaving her baby brothers behind Bernice Groves, this actually is a dual narrative. So we have Pia Lang, the 13-year-old, and we have Bernice Groves. You guys are going to come to hate this woman. You're going to come to hate this woman. I hated her so much. Has become lost in grief and bitterness since her baby died from the Spanish flu. 
Watching Pia leave her brothers alone, Bernice makes a shocking, life-altering decision. It becomes her sinister mission to tear families apart when they're at their most vulnerable, planning to transform the city's orphans and immigrant children into what she feels are quote-unquote true Americans. Waking in a makeshift hospital days after collapsing in the street, Pia is frantic to return home. Instead, she's taken to St. Vincent's Orphan Asylum, the first step in a long and arduous journey. As Bernice plots to keep the truth hidden at any cost in the months and years that follow, Pia must confront her own shame and fear risking everything to see justice and love triumph at last. Powerful, harrowing, and ultimately exultant, The Orphan Collector is a story of love, resilience, and the strengths we will go to protect those who need us most. And here's my review. Of course, I wrote, gave five stars. I just finished The Orphan Collector, the long-awaited book by my favorite historical fiction author, Ellen Marie Wiseman. This book had me on ed on the edge of my seat towards the end, screaming in frustration, waiting with bated breath for some relief and resolution. Let me just say, this book did not disappoint at all. I strongly encourage you all to pick up a copy of this book. And I definitely do encourage you all to pick up a copy of this book. <laughs> it is very, very good. Uh, another book by another historical fiction adult fiction writer. By Kristen Harmel, The Book of Lost Names. This book was published July 21st, 2020, which is interesting because The Orphan Collector came out like a week later <laughs> after The Book of Lost Names. So this book also, I, I rated five stars. It was amazing. Inspired by an astonishing true story from World War II, a young woman with a talent for forgery helps hundreds of Jewish children flee the Nazis and help her, excuse me, flee the Nazis in this unforgettable historical novel from the international best-selling author of the epic and heart-wrenching World War II tale. The Winemaker's Wife, which I do have, I have not read it yet. Eva Trubby Abrams, a semi-retired librarian in Florida, is shelving books one morning when her eyes lock on a photograph in a magazine lying open nearby. She freezes. It's an image of a book she hasn't seen in 65 years, a book she recognizes as the, as the book of lost names. The accompanying article discusses the looting of libraries by the Nazis across Europe during World War II, an experience Eva remembers, or Eva remembers well, and the search to reunite people with the texts taken from them so long ago. The book in the photograph, an 18th century religious text thought to have been taken from France in the waning days of the war, is one of the most fascinating cases. Now housed in Berlin's Zentralland like Library, I'm sorry. It appears to contain some sort of code, but researchers don't know where it came from or what the code means. Only Eva holds the answer. But will she have the strength to revisit old memories and help reunite those lost during the war? As a graduate student in 1942, Eva was forced to flee Paris after the arrest of her father, a Polish Jew. Finding refuge in 
a small mountain town in the free zone, she begins foraging identity documents for Jewish children fleeing to neutral Switzerland. But erasing people comes with a price, and along with a mysterious handsome forager named Remy, Eva decides that she must find a way to preserve the real names of the children who are too young to remember who they really are. The records they keep in the Lost Book of Names will become even more vital when the resistance cell they work for is betrayed and Remy disappears. I think it's Remy, because there's like a hash mark above the E. Although, I mean, I went, I just kept calling him Remy in the book because I kept thinking of the movie Ratatouille. <laughs> and that was all I could think of. <clears throat> An engaging and evocative novel... Reminiscent of the Lost Girls of Paris, which I do have, that is by Pam Jenoff, another historical author that I really like. Is This is a testament to the resilience of the human spirit and the power of bravery and love in the face of evil. <clears throat> now this one here is a good one. I liked, it is St. Francis for Wayward Pets. This isn't a historical fiction book, but it does have dual narratives from two points of view. One set in present day, one set in like the late 70s, 80s. So St. Francis for Wayward Pets by Annie England Noblin. This is actually the second book of hers I read. Um, a holiday book, which I can bring up after I'm done reading this one, which is perfect for the holiday season because I do have some holiday book recommendations excuse me, that I will cover after I'm done covering the ones that I've read so far this year. And then I'll do the holiday reads, and then I'll be covering the books I hope to read in 2021. Laid off, cheated on, mugged. What else can go wrong in Maeve Stevens' life? So, when she learns her birth mother has left her a house, a vintage VW Beetle, and a marauding, marauding cat in the small town of Timber Creek, Washington, she packs up to discover the truth about her past. She arrives to the site of a cheerful bulldog abandoned on her front porch, a reclusive but tempting author living next door, and a set of ready-made friends at the St. Francis Society for Wayward Pets, where women knit colorful sweaters for the dogs and cats in their care. But there's also an undercurrent of something that doesn't sit right with Maeve. What's the secret besides her, that her mother had hidden. If Maeve is going to make Timber Creek her home, she must figure out where she fits in and unravel the truth about her past. But is she ready to be adopted again, this time by an entire town? This book was amazing. I loved it so much. I couldn't get enough of it. And I, I want to read the review I left. I love this book with all my heart. It's a beautiful and sweet story with memorable characters that I will hold dear long after I close the book. I'd love a sequel, just saying. <laughs> Alright, of course, um, I read a Diary of a Wimpy Kid book. It seems like a new one comes out every year. I had been getting them from the library instead of owning them. But with the libraries being not open right now and there being a long wait list, I'm like, I'll just pick it up from Target. I was there. I'm like, okay. And I read it in like a day because <laughs> they're fast reads. I mean, not a lot of text, mainly drawings. Um, 
Next historical fiction book, Young Adult. This Light Between Us by Andrew Fakuda. Fakuda? This book actually came out January 7th of 2020. This was a really good book, too. All, all the books I read are amazing. All right. From award-winning YA author Andrew Fukuda comes This Light Between Us, a powerfully affecting story of a World War II, or excuse me, of World War II, about the unlikeliest of pen pals, a Japanese-American boy and a French-Jewish girl, as they fight to maintain hope in a time of war. I remember visiting Manzanar Camp in California and standing in the wind-swept plains, where over 10,000 internees were once imprisoned, their voices cut off. I remember how much I wanted to write a story. Okay, this is the author saying, okay. I wanted to write a story that did write by them. Hopefully, this book delivers. Andrew Paducah. In 1935, 10-year-old Alex Mackey from Bainbridge Island, Washington, is disgusted when he's forced to become pen pals with Charlie Levy of Paris, France, a girl. He thought she was a boy. In spite of Alex's reluctance, their letters continue to fly across the Atlantic and along with them the shared hopes and dreams of friendship until the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor and the growing Nazi persecution of Jews forced them to confront the darkest aspects of human nature. From the desolation of an internment camp on the plains of Manzanar to the horrors of Auschwitz and the devastation of European battlefields, the only thing they can hold on to are the memories of their letters, but nothing can dispel the light between them. I did rate this five stars. The one thing I honestly had wished that we had gotten more from the character of Charlie who was um, the Jewish girl in Paris, France. It seems at some point the letters from her stop, which learn why later. I just wish we could kind of have seen what it was like there for her. But, um, and I had no idea, I read the author's note, and I literally had no idea that there was a girl, I believe, in Iowa, that I believe she and her sister had been chosen as pen pals for Anne and Margot Frank. And I'm just like, and this actually is what inspired this author to write this book. And I, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. And the fact that this girl who was writing, they only actually ever exchanged a letter between the two of them. Or between the girls. And then after that, it's just someone ended up having to tell her what had happened. Or I guess what she had read about Anne Frank and the name was familiar to her. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So, but they did, I believe, took the letter that she had received from Anne. And they have it in a museum somewhere. So. Now the next book I read is kind of the similar vein of This Light Between Us. And I liked this one just a smidgen more probably because we get letters from both characters. 
The book I'm talking about is Within These Lines by Stephanie Morrill. This book actually came out almost a year before This Light Between Us. Within These Lines came out March 5th, 2019. Evelina Casano's or Casano's life is a Italian is oh my goodness I cannot mm, I've been talking for a while <clears throat> now my mouth is oh. Evelina Casano's life in an um, Italian American family in 1941 is everything it quote unquote should be until she falls in love with Tachi. Hamasaki, the son of Japanese immigrants. Despite the scandal it would cause and that interracial marriage is illegal in California, Evelina and Tachi vow that they will find a way to be together. But anti-Japanese feelings erupt across the country after the attack on Pearl Harbor, and Tachi and his family are forced to give up their farm and move to an intern an internment camp. Degrading treatment make life at Manzanar Relocation Center difficult. Tachi's only connection to the outside world are treasured letters from Avelina. Feeling that the only action she can take to help Tachi is to speak on behalf of all Japanese Americans, Evelina becomes increasingly vocal at school and at home. Meanwhile, inside Manzanar, fighting between different Japanese American factions arises. Tachi begins to doubt he will ever leave the camp alive. With tensions running high and their freedom on the line, Evelina and Tachi must hold true to their values and believe in their love to make a way back to each other against unbelievable odds. This book also amazing, amazing, amazing. It had a great ending. I just, I cannot speak more highly. These books, guys, are just, they're everything. They are just, these stories are honestly what really got me through this year. Now, I'm going to read the, um, the other two, and then I'm going to read the holiday ones after. Um, Alone in the Woods. Rebecca Behrens, who also wrote Disaster Days, which I would have covered back in the bonus episode, the quarantine reads. Kind of going through January all the way to like April, May. Alone in the Woods. This came out October 6th, 2020. So it was two months ago that this book, and I had been waiting for this as soon as I heard about it. I'm like, I can't wait wait to read this one. Okay. From the author of The Disaster Days comes a thrilling survival story and Lost in the Woods children's book about two former best friends who must work together to stay alive after getting lost in a remote national forest. Jocelyn and Alex have always been best friends until they aren't. Okay, I'm going to need to take a drink of water. Mm. (sighs) Okay. No, my mouth is not parched (laughs) and I can read again. And I lost my place. (laughs) Okay. Jocelyn and Alex have always been best friends. Until they aren't. Jocelyn's not sure what happened, but she hopes the annual joint family vacation in the isolated North Woods will be the perfect spot to rekindle their friendship. But Alex still isn't herself when they get to the cabin. And Jocelyn reaches a breaking point during a rafting trip that goes horribly wrong. When the girl's inner tube tears, it leaves them stranded and alone. And before they know it, 
the two are hopelessly lost, wearing swimsuits and water shoes, and with the only... Well, let me be clear. Jocelyn was wearing water shoes. And Alex was wearing flip-flops. The kind that your feet are exposed. You know, the kind that the... You stick your, your big toe and your index toe, I guess if that's what you want to call it, in between the two grooves there. And that's basically what's holding your foot. Oh my gosh. Mm. Wow. Just, but let me keep going here. Wearing swimsuits and water shoes and with only the contents of their wet backpack, the girls face threats from the elements. And as they spend days and nights lost in the wilderness, they'll have to overcome their fractured friendship to make it out of the woods alive. Praise for the... Dis oh, wait, that's that other one. So, one thing I do want to say about this book is it is actually two dual narratives. We have Jocelyn talking about the present and what's going on with the joint family trip. We have Alex kind of giving us a backstory about what led up to Jocelyn and Alex's fractured friendship and what exactly happened. Um, one thing... <laughs> I immediately got really irritated with Alex with her attitude, but then again, they're both 13 years old. They're teenagers. That's just... I mean, I would hide behind my headphones all the time if I could as a teenager and just listen to music and tune out the world, my family, everything. But Jocelyn is just trying to, like, an olive branch here. Like, hey, we're going to the place that... We always go to get these donuts. We got to get there at this certain time before one. Otherwise, they close and, like, their their donut and breakfast buffet is gone. You're going to miss it. And she's like, here, Alex, here's a donut. And Alex is like, no, no, no. It's just, she's being really, really cold and just off-putting and just... I don't want anything to do with, like, you could be sitting right next to Alex and you'd feel like you're five feet away from the person. That's the amount of coldness that you're getting. <clears throat> so, of course, these girls don't go on this little rafting thing by themselves. It actually does start, and I'm not trying to be spoilerish or anything, but... This is a family, like, everyone's got, if you've gone rafting on the, you know, river, you'll, or just a tube, whatever you want to call it, you'll see, like, the interconnecting with ropes. Everyone's got their inner tubes all connected. And the girls are connected to Alex's older sister, Lucy, who's actually closer and has more in common with Jocelyn than Alex does. And... Alex is all about, well, she's been changing a lot. She's more now into makeup and how she looks and her clothes and everything. Alex is. And she's like, I want to, like, get some sun while we're on this inner tube. And she even, she's not, <laughs> the book, the synopsis even says the girls are wearing swimsuits. And Alex is wearing a two-piece, which, of course, at 13, her mother's like, 
gonna be like, no, 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 but she's wearing a cover-up, which is made of really thin, like, maybe not even terry cloth material, but maybe, like, gauzy, like, cover-up. And the girl, neither of them really are even dressed for the elements. Luckily, Jocelyn remembered, like, okay, let's throw a couple trail mix bars in there, some energy bars, uh, another thing with the like off probably off brand um mosquito wipes you know the the wipes to kind of keep the mosquitoes and stuff off you there's a few of those in there and uh, al al um alex has her cell phone which doesn't really do them any good for what happens later i'm not going to spoil on that but they're going to find themselves without any means of communication not to mention the reception if you guys have gone to any remote cabin you'll know cell phone service isn't exactly you're out in the woods cell phone service you know i went um to some of those rash bash family gatherings reunions whatever and we'd always go to this little cabin surrounded by, by woods and the cell service and this is back in like maybe 2013 14 15 that if i can remember correctly there was no cell service like whatsoever and there was a time actually when we needed to have it because my sister had gotten into an atv accident and it was it was bad guys i mean she's okay now thank goodness but oh my gosh mm. but anyway and you th- and 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 Jocelyn even and I know I'll get back on the other books. Jocelyn even is hoping like okay we're in the woods we're relying on each other well more like Jocelyn's relying on herself and she knows about nature she knows about the woods she's really big on all that kind of stuff because they're in the the woods in Wisconsin and I've not been to the woods in Wisconsin but I've been to some woods in Michigan. And by woods, I mean the the woods that was behind my dad's uh, hayfield. (laughs) Gosh, I still remember the time he took me out there and he pretended that he was lost and I started freaking out. My God. Oh my God. I think he wanted to see if I could get us out of there and I just started panicking. (sighs) Jocelyn, of course, thinks that Alex was she and her depending on each other in a way that maybe it'll bring them closer when in fact it's like but when they said the elements hit the, those girls big time, the temperature like would get into the 50s at night. Mind you, these girls are just wearing bathing suits. Jealous, Jocelyn's got a sweatshirt, but even that, and they still have that the inner tube that's got a, something wrong with it. But it's just, ugh. can you imagine going out on the water rafting getting separated from your family being lost in the woods only having a bathing suit and maybe well they each had towels too but even still that's not going to keep you warm when it's like 50 degrees at night not to mention you're out in the woods you're exposed to what the bugs the mosquitoes the ticks my goodness gracious sake this book held me on the edge of my seat and I'm just like flipping the pages like I gotta know what's gonna happen I gotta know I mean yes we did get breaks with Alex's you know before and then Jocelyn is more like the after chapters so we did kind of get that balance and stuff and I could kind of see from Alex's point of view like 
friends once they do hit middle school if you've been friends since you were like three that is usually the dividing line in middle school tends to be like you're kind of starting to develop your own interests outside of your friends and you kind of start drifting and then that's a question you got to ask yourself is this friendship worth still being you know is this friend worth, I mean, is the friendship strong enough? I mean, maybe you're not best, best friends like you were, but at some point you're still going to remain, oh, they're a nice acquaintance. We'll talk about, you know, safe subjects or just like, oh, the weather, how's we got schoolwork or stuff like that. You're never really as tight as you were, but you still want to hold on to the friendship because the person is still a good friend to you. When I had a friend that, she moved away and we still kept it. We were in this, you know, not in the same town anymore in the same state, but we still kept in touch and everything like that. But I could even feel at that point, we were emotionally headed in different directions. And I just felt like this really isn't a friendship. Like I I would still be friends with her, but we kind of lost touch and we didn't see each other until, I mean, she would have moved after fourth grade and I wouldn't have seen her again until sophomore year of high school when I went on a trip to the local college for a career day thing and we happened upon each other that would have been the very last time I think we ever would have spoke and Sally that friend did not have the best ending it was but anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's, uh, I like Alone in the Woods. I really am looking forward to what the author, Rebecca, comes out with next. I am really, really excited whether she's going to be in the same vein of survival stories. Because I'm like, Dis- the Disaster Days dealt with an earthquake. Alone in the Woods dealt with two friends being exposed to the elements. <clears throat> um, the next one, and I just finished this book last night this book was an emotional roller coaster for me and even somewhat triggering because it did bring back feelings that I had long since buried when I was young and it really brought all that back to the surface it's not to say that I didn't like this book I did but it was really emotionally heavy hitting for me And that book that I'm speaking about is Maybe He Just Likes You by Barbara D. This book came out October 1st of 2019, so it's been out for a year. So, Maybe He Just Likes You by Barbara D. As I said, this book was published October 1st, 2019. And I'll read the description. Barbara D. explores the subject of hashtag MeToo. For the middle grade audience in this novel about experiencing harassment and unwanted attention from classmates. For 7th grader Mila, it starts with an unwanted hug on the school blacktop. The next day, it's another hug. A smirk. Comments. It all feels weird. According to her friend Zara, Mila is being immature and overreacting. Doesn't she know what flirting looks like? But it keeps happening, despite Mila's protests, on the bus, in the halls, even during 
band practice, the one time Mila could always escape to her blue sky feeling. It seems like the boys are everywhere, and it doesn't feel like flirting. So what is it? Mila starts to gain confidence when she enrolls in karate class, but her friends still don't understand why Mila is making such a big deal about the boys' attention. When Mila is finally pushed too far, she realizes she can't battle this on her own and finds help in some unexpected places. Oh my god, I just, I felt this feeling, I mean... I felt for Mila, I I felt almost like she was, like, trapped, like, on all sides, these boys just coming at you and like, hey, it's my birthday, I want a hug, you hugged your friend, why don't you give me a hug? Or, and she's wearing this green fuzzy sweater that all the the guys like, oh, it'll bring me good luck on the basketball court and this and that, and it's just... And it doesn't just stop at the hugs, it stops at the comment, or it doesn't stop at the hugs, it goes on further with the comments, with the shoulder grabs, with the, the butt grabs, it just gets more and more volatile and disgusting, and I just, I felt for her. I know there are some people out there that say, why didn't she speak up sooner? And, um, I want to actually bring up my history with, um, that kind of thing. I was actually younger than Mila. I was 10. And being in special ed, they tend to have two different grades. And I can't remember where the teacher was at the time or why I was there with this one boy who was a year older than me. And I was sitting at the computer working on something and he was sitting there next to me. I don't know whether he was supposed to be helping me, but I just remember him putting his arm around my shoulder and how uncomfortable I felt. And it didn't stop there. There was another incident that really... And the thing that stinks is this happened when there were other people around and teachers. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the story, The Mitten by Jan Brett. It's um, it's an illustrated children's book. And we were putting on a play. And there was this white like teepee type structure that was supposed to represent the mitten. And I was in there with this boy and maybe a couple other kids and the boy was in question is sitting right next to me and he turns and looks at me and kisses me on the side of the face and I just remember feeling so shocked and embarrassed and I feel bad because I never said anything to anyone I didn't say anything to my grandma. I didn't say anything to my dad or my aunt. I know if I had said something, my dad, my grandma, my aunt, they all would have went down to that school and demanded to know what happened. And guys, this was in 1992. We didn't have the Me Too moment, movement at the time. And I just wish, I just wish that we had these things when I was young. I just, luckily, the person, the guy moved on to middle school the following year, and 
I didn't see him again. And I always kind of wondered, like, what happened to that guy. And I found out that uh, I probably wasn't the first person he had done that to. I'm sure I wasn't the last because he wound up in prison for CSC, which is criminal sexual conduct. So I'm not surprised. But the thing is that that doesn't just happen to young girls. You know, it can also happen to boys as well. It can happen to anybody at any age. I There was even an incident when I was an adult and I was working at a store and I was down in their basement doing stock and there was this guy eventually he was told by the manager I don't know whether he was let go or what but the guy had actually cornered me and asked me if I had a boyfriend not only that we were unloading this truck because we were working on stock and there were other people around and the guy comes up behind me and he grabs me in a hug, like literally grabs me, pins my arms to my sides and picks me up and lifts me in a hug. And I'm just like, it, it just felt really uncomfortable and awkward. So like I said, it doesn't just happen to children and middle schoolers and girls that are de- just starting to develop. It happens to adults as well. And the thing is, at least now there are organizations out there to help protect women and girls so they don't feel like victims and feel like there's something wrong with them or why didn't I say something sooner sometimes you're just so paralyzed from fear and you're so scared that someone is going to say well who said you weren't asking for it like no no Nobody asks for that kind of attention. doesn't matter how you dress. doesn't matter what you say. Nobody wants that kind of attention. That kind of attention is predatorial and just, it's just wrong. That's the thing, guys. I mean, people like me, we got to watch out for that kind of thing. Because there's so many people out there just willing to take advantage and I remember after I got my senior pictures done, my dad was looking at the pictures and he was just like saying how I just looked, I looked younger than I was and I looked like, like innocent, like someone could easily come and take advantage. And that's why I just, I just have this protective emotional armor around myself and just wherever I go, it just, that's just... After stuff happens like that, it's almost like you want to wrap yourself up in a cocoon and just not want to face things or face people. And the only reason I just, I I wanted to tell you that is because that is what I was feeling when I was reading this book. I didn't know that it would bring all this, all this fear and, and pain and, and all those things that I had buried so deep within me I didn't know I was going to bring all that up again I just I wanted to share my story so those of you out there that have gone through this or know someone that has just know that you're not alone you're not and it was nothing that you did to provoke this type of attention either let me just say that don't ever feel 
guilty like you brought this on yourself. And don't listen to people that act like you did. But I do think that this book by Barbara D is a very important book for young girls to read so they can understand that this type of behavior is unacceptable. And if anything like this happens, go to your nearest adult, whether it's a teacher, a guidance counselor, a parent, tell or a relative, tell somebody. All right, let's switch gears here. Let's talk about some holiday reads. The first up is a young, a young adult book, entitled Prince and Prince in Disguise by Stephanie Kate Strom. This book was released December nineteenth, twenty seventeen. <clears throat> this book actually probably been on my shelf for a couple of years, um, but I finally am like I want to read this book. This is the perfect time. Right around uh, November, November 8th. Okay, that's when I finished the book. So, <clears throat> okay, here we go. Someday I want to live in a place where I never hear your dusty sister ever again. Life is real enough for Dylan, especially as the ordinary younger sister of Dusty, former Miss Mississippi, and the most perfect popular girl in Tupelo. T-U-P-E-L-O. But when Dusty wins the hand of the handsome Scottish laird-to-be Ronin on the TRC television network's crown jewel, Prince in Disguise, Dylan has to face a different kind of reality. Reality TV. As the camera crew whisks them off to Scotland to film the lead-up to the wedding, camera-shy Dylan is front and center as Dusty's maid of honor. The producers are full of surprises, including old family secrets, long-lost relatives, and a hostile future mother-in-law who thinks Dusty and Dylan's family isn't good enough for her only son. At least there's Jamie, an adorable bookish groomsman who might just be the perfect antidote to all Dylan's stress. If she can just keep TRC from turning her into the next reality show sensation. I gave this book five stars. I love the uh, cover. I like uh, the, the, the title is in white. We have a red checked background, a red table. We have, we only see the characters arms and hands. One is in blue sleeves. They are drinking hot chocolate. My guess is that's Dylan. We have, what looks like male hands and beige sleeves with blue, black, and red stripes. And they are holding a cup of tea. We see a plate with two cookies. One is in the shape of a crown and the other one's in the shape of a heart. We also see a pink and white striped phone and purple mittens i just i love oh it's, it's gorgeous i love it i like how the title prince is basically all caps and then you have in and disguise in cursive it's it's really festive this was such a fun read i really liked it i loved jamie i thought he was just like oh if i were a teenager like, how could I not when the English accent is beautiful? 
All right, the next read, of course, perfect, perfect, perfect for December. This book, another young adult holiday-centered book called Recommended for You by Laura Silverman. To all the boys I've loved before meets You've Got Mail in this charming and hilarious rom-com following two teen booksellers whose rivalry is taken to the next level as they compete for the top bookseller bonus. Shoshana Greenberg loves working at Once Upon, her favorite local bookstore, and with her mom's fighting, this does have LGBT representation, by the way, which is cool. And with her mom's fighting at home and her beloved car teetering on the brink of death, she named her car Barbara Streisand, by the way. <laughs> um, the store has become a welcome escape. When her boss announces a holiday bonus to the person who sells the most books, Shoshana sees an opportunity to at least fix her car if none of her other problems. The only person standing in her way, new hire Jake Kaplan. Jake is an affront to everything Shoshana stands for. He doesn't even read, but somehow his sales start to rival hers. Jake may be cute, really cute, and he may be an eligible Jewish single, hard to find south of Atlanta, but he's also the enemy, and Shoshana is ready to take him down. But as the competition intensifies... Jake and Shoshana grow closer and realize they might be more on the same page than either expects. This book, I think I read this book. Oh my God, let me read the review. <laughs> I can't believe I read this book in less than 24 hours. That might be a first for me. What can I say? I'm a sucker for books about people who work in bookstores and I feel that profession needs more representation in books. Yes, it does. Even though I can only rate it five stars on Goodreads, I rated it 10 stars in my heart because this book has and is everything I wanted and knew I needed at this moment. I recommend this book. I recommend this to all the book lovers and bookstore workers out there. Keep doing what you do best, putting amazing reads in people's hands and changing lives one book at a time. I love this book. I can't say enough good things about it. It was everything. This is the book I feel like my heart's been waiting for for like forever. <laughs> I loved the competition. I loved her other co-workers. There's like a nice mix match of people. We have um, people of color. We have um, Shoshana and Jake who are both of the Jewish, Jewish descent, which is awesome. We have, like I said, LGBTQ representation with Shoshana's moms. So the next one, oh, and I love this one too. All I Want for Christmas by Wendy Logia. November 3rd, 2020. Actually, let me see when, uh, where did it, where did it go? Recommended for you. Recommended for you came out September 1st. Okay. Let's jump back to All I Want for Christmas, which is kind of similar to Recommended for You. So, this sweet and magical romance about a girl who has just one wish. Someone to kiss under the mistletoe and is the perfect holiday escape. Bailey Briggs <laughs> is counting down the days to Christmas. She lives for holiday music, baking cookies, going on snowy sleigh rides, 
and wearing her light-up reindeer ears to work at Winslow's bookstore. But all she really wants this year is one thing she doesn't have. Someone special to kiss under the mistletoe. This is a YA book, too. So, and she's 100% certain that that someone isn't Jacob Marley. (laughs) Yes. It's kind of funny because Jacob Marley, and of course her name is Bailey, named after George Bailey, from It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> and she's 100% certain that that someone isn't Jacob Marley, athlete, player, and of questionable taste in girlfriends, and that Charlie, the mysterious stranger with the British accent, is a romantic lead of her dreams. Is she right? This will be a December to remember, filled with real-life Christmas magic, and if she stays on Santa's nice list, a wish that just might come true. Alright, so those were the holiday books I've read so far. Also, I did read the latest book from Mr. Lemoncello, Mr. Lemoncello and the Titanium Ticket by Chris Grabenstein. I also finally finished, after a year, and that's not saying anything bad about the Keeper of the Lost Cities books. I love these books. They're amazing. I just, like, okay, I wanted to finish 2020. Like, I want to get the book flashback finished so that way I can start Legacy which is the 8th book the um, Unlocked Keeper of the Lost Cities book actually is an 8.5 so it kind of is like in the middle of Legacy and whatever the ninth book is going to be called which won't come out for at least another year or two so yeah I'm just kind of I'm pacing myself these books are really big chunks of a book they're like 800 plus pages And I just, I like to make sure that I'm also, that's why it took me a year to read Flashback because (laughs) I was reading other books in between. Because that's what you do. Sometimes when you got big books and it's like, I want to jump into other books, not just have my feet, both feet in one world. I want to have it in, you know, each foot in one, in a, a different world. So that is my 2020 reading challenge list the the back half so I'm just kind of going to go through some of the books that I have in uh, hopes for reading uh, middle grade books not not all um, let's see What Comes Next by Rob Bouye he wrote two amazing middle grade series that I love because of Mr. Trupped which the fourth book has just come out. I'm getting it for Christmas. I bought it for myself for Jeremy to give me. And of course, the Perfect Score trilogy, which I'm hoping we get one more book of that series because I really liked it. But the next book that comes out next June, and this one is very small. It's only 192 pages. It's called What Comes Next. So I'll read that. So these, like I said, these are books that are coming out in 2021. I will, if they do have a release date, I will let you know what that is. So that way you're like, oh, you said this book comes out in 2021. (laughs) So, all right. That way you know, like, how long you have to wait for it. From the beloved author, I've been, see, remember how I said at the beginning, like, this isn't going to be three hours long. It feels like it's going to border on, like, close to it. All right. From the beloved author of Mr. Trupped and Perfect Score series, 
comes the standalone middle grade novel about a girl who is dealing with the tragic loss of her best friend and the dog that helps her forge new friendships and find happiness once again. 12-year-old Thea, T-H-E-A, and her family are moving to a new town for a fresh start. Her parents' bright idea. To Thea, it feels like... Is it Thea or Thea? I don't know. It feels like running away. She lost her best friend, Charlie, in a tragic accident, and in the painful aftermath, she has gone mute. Her two younger sisters, however, are excited about moving, especially after their dad promises that the family will get a rescue puppy. This news doesn't change how Thea is feeling, though, until Jack-Jack bounces into her life and makes it clear to her that he has no ordinary dog. As she bonds with Jack-Jack and as the dog's mischievous ways steer her toward someone she can confide in, Thea opens up to the possibility of new friendships and forgiveness and comes to believe in what cannot be fully explained. Oops. Cuba in my pocket. Or is it Cuba? 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 Cuba in my pocket. This is by Adriana. Is it C U E V A S? This book, of course, just says published 2021. There is not an actual release date just yet. All right. Mm. When the failed Bay of Pigs invasion in 1961 solidifies Castro's power in Cuba, 12 year old. C-U-M-B-A. His family makes a difficult decision to send him to Florida alone. Faced with the prospect of living in another country by himself, Kumba tries to remember the sound of his father's clarinet, the smell of his mother's lavender perfume. Life in the United States prevents a ho- presents a whole new set of challenges for Kumba. Lost in a sea of English speakers, Kumba has to navigate a new city, a new school, and new freedom all on his own. With each day, Kumba feels more confident in his new surroundings, but he continues to wonder, will his family ever be whole again, or will they remain just out of reach, 90 miles across the sea? The next book, The Sea in Winter by Christine Day. This book, actually, guys, it's going to be released January 5th, 2021. So you have like less than a month until it's released. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one, too. In this evocative and heartwarming novel for readers who loved The Thing About Jellyfish, the author of I Can Make This Promise. Oh, I just ordered I Can Make This Promise. I just ordered that book. So this is the next one. Okay, cool, cool. Tells the story of a Native American girl struggling to find her joy again. It's been a hard year for Maisie Cannon ever since she hurt her leg and could not keep up with her ballet training and auditions. Her blended family is loving and supportive, but Maisie knows that they just can't understand how hopeless she feels. With everything she's dealing with, Maisie is not excited for their family midwinter road trip along the coast near the Makaya community where her mother grew up. But soon, Maisie's anxieties and dark moods start to hurt as much as the pain in her knee. How can she keep pretending to be strong when on the inside she feels as roiling and cold as the ocean? All right, this one looks like a good one. Red, White, and Whole. W-H-O-L-E. Rajani LaRocha. This one actually, this one looks like a short book. It's only 224 pages, but it's going to be published February 2nd, 
R-E-H-A. Rhea, I'm just going to say Rhea for now, has two lives. One that is Indian, one that is not. Okay, so we are actually getting a book that is set not in present day. It's actually going to be set in 1983. It is 1983 and she is 13. And in one life, she loves hanging out with friends, dancing to pop music, and watching Cindy Lauper on MTV. And the other, she listens to Hindi film songs, wears homemade clothes, and spends her weekends with her Indian community. When Rhea asks to wear Jordache jeans and jeans and go to a middle school dance, her mother disapproves. If only the ones who share her blood could also understand the wishes of her heart. But then her mother becomes ill, and everything Rhea was worried about gets turned upside down. Red, White, and Whole is a middle grade novel in verse about being caught between here and there, before and after, and finding a way to be whole. Now, sometimes it does kind of feel, I, I do believe I have read books that are set during these time periods. And sometimes the books do tend to be hit and miss. I mean, I was born in 1982. I really wouldn't have been able to re- recollect anything until 1986 when I was four on Upward. So, um, but it just seems like sometimes, and it depends on the author. I mean, if the author grew up around this time and they can easily you know, have memories of it and kind of build this world, whereas other people maybe that were born after the fact, like maybe they were born in 1990 and after, the only recollection they're going to have is like stories from other people or what they've read in books, what they've seen online, and, you know, stories and movies that are set during that time. And television shows that kind of go based on what was life like in, in the early 80s. Here's another book that, I mean, and a lot of these... I go on Goodreads, I search, okay, middle grade 2021 was coming out, and I'll look at the synopsis, like, that looks good, that looks good, that looks good. So it's been a while since I've looked at the books that I picked, but I'm kind of looking at them and reading the synopsis and seeing, okay, what ones do I want to talk about? One in particular that sounds interesting, I don't know if it's been done before or not, it's called Sorry for Your Loss by Joanne Levy. This book, again, it just says published 2021, so that could mean, that could mean anything at this point. It could be published in the spring. It could be, I mean, if it were being published in like early winter, we would have a date. So my guess is this thing is going to be either May or summer or fall. 12-year-old Evelyn Evie Wallman is not obsessed with death. She does think of <coughs> my goodness. She does think about it a lot though, but only because her family runs a Jewish funeral home. At 12, Evie already knows she's going to be a funeral director when she grows up. Even if it means kids at school call her a corpse girl and say she smells like death. That's or they're just mean and don't get how important funeral directors are. Evie loves her part-time job at the funeral home. She cleans, dusting dusting caskets, polishing pews, and vacuuming the chapel. And on funeral days, she dresses up and hands out tissues and offers her condolences to mourners. She doesn't normally help her parents with the grieving families until one day when they ask her to help with Oren, O-R-E-N, a boy her age who was in a 
tragic car accident that killed both his parents. Evie is to keep him company while they make the funeral arrangements with his uncle. Evie knows all about funerals and is ready, even eager to help the boy, until it all goes terribly wrong. She quickly realizes that while she may know a lot about funerals, she doesn't know very much about grief at all. She's perplexed that her attempts to console and comfort the boy don't work. He won't speak, doesn't care about her attempts at condolences, and even slams a door in her face. Determined to make it right, and with a little help from her parents, Evie learns better how to deal with the grieving boy, and they even develop a friendship. She's committed to helping him heal as much as she can, even if what he wants is for her to take him behind the scenes at the funeral home, showing him a side of the operation that few people ever see, and something she's never seen, a real dead body. This book sounds like this is a good topic for this type of audience because I for experience my first death would have been my grandfather when I was seven going on eight he um sadly passed and how I processed it I was seven I'd never been to a funeral before I remember I think I was pulled out of school we went to the funeral I fell asleep and I I remember crying and grieving for my grandfather. And I remember the... I was seeing, um, talking to a nun when I first moved in. With this, so much stuff happened right around this time, 1989-1990. At that time, my mom was put in an adult care facility. No, she was staying with her parents until my... Until she was put in an adult care facility. I was living with my aunt and uncle. My, and then my grandfather passed. I was also seeing a nun who was also um, a psychiatrist in a way. So I could kind of talk and handle, you know, process what this death meant and how it was affecting me. She even brought a book, a picture book about a character who had lost a, a grandparent and was war working, you know, through that with me. Asked me, do you understand? What are you feeling? What are you thinking right now? And stuff like that. Alright, here we go. Here's a book called After Slash Math. It's by Emily Barth Isler. It says that it's going to be published in 2021. Amy Fitzgerald at Learner... Oh, oh it's just saying that... the. Uh, person that has bought this book. Okay. After slash math, when 12-year-old math whiz Lucy moves to a town that experienced a devastating school shooting four years ago, she must navigate her classmates' lingering traumas as well as her own grief over a different family tragedy. Okay, so it looks like this book is going to be scheduled to come out in spring 2021. This is another topic that I think is very important because we are living in an age where this is something that is continues to be ongoing it feels like it's been a while since um something like this is but you're always hearing these in the news uh, but I do feel I was in high school I was a sophomore in high school when Columbine happened that was the first time I'd ever heard about a school shooting 
And I didn't know how to process it. It just, because I lived in Michigan, it was in Colorado, and I just, I didn't know, because some, do you, do you kind of feel it sometimes that when you hear about something happening, sometimes you feel like you are affected, but if it were happening, like, to you, you would feel even more affected. I, I don't know. But I just think this... Books like the, the, this, these are topics that are very important, and I like that they can help kids process by having these age-appropriate books. And kids that, if they, even if they haven't gone through it, but have heard about these situations, they can learn about, you know, empathy and stuff like that through through these characters. And, you know, there are people out there that do go through these traumatic experiences, these traumatic events. And you probably wonder, like, how are they coping with it? You know, what's going through their mind? How are they healing? Are they healing? We always hear about the events that happen, but we never really hear about the effect that it has on the victims, the victims' families... Or even, there's even, gosh, I wonder if I even have it in here. There is a book, shoot, I can't even remember. I know, it. I think it comes out next year. No, it's a movie. It's a movie that deals with, like, the mother of a school shooter. And I think it's, like, the victim... The, the victim that the, the shooter had taken, um, like a, the victim's sibling or something, and then they're kind of conversing or something, something to that effect, but that just kind of came to me, and I just, gosh, I can't remember. Recipe for Disaster by Amy Lucido. Lucido? Okay. Uh, just says published. Oh, it says set for spring 2020. See, I like that. At least put like, give us an estimation when in 2021, if you can. So this is called the recipe for disaster. The middle grade novel is about, is a hybrid of prose, verse, and recipes about a 12 year old girl whose best friend's bat mitzvah inspires her to plan one for herself. But when she finds out that her Jewish and non-Jewish family is split on whether she is Jewish enough for one, she takes matters into her own hands to plan the rite of passage she craves, discovering her own Jewish identity along the way. So a well-known author, Gordon Corman, has, and I already pre-ordered this book because it sounds good. It's called Unplugged. It comes out January 5th, 2021, so less than a month. All right. A group of kids forced to unplug at a wellness camp where they instead find intrigue, adventure, and a whole lot of chaos. Perfect for fans of Corman's The Unteachables and Masterminds series. I do have Unteachables. I haven't read it yet, and I haven't read the Mastermind series. Um, Restart is another one that deals with the school bully that um, winds up with amnesia and becomes a different person. I, I really want to get into that. That one's really good from what I hear, too. As the son of the world's most famous tech billionaire, spoiled Jet Baranov has always gotten what he wanted. So when his father's jet 
His private jet drops him in the middle of a place called the Oasis. No, it's not the hot tub place in Grand Rapids, Michigan that I've been to several times. Uh, Jet can't believe it. He's forced to hand over his cell phone, eat grainy veggie patties. And I remember, I don't know if Burger King does this anymore, but they did it when I worked there. Those veggie patties were nasty smelling. I, I think I don't... Mm, I don't think I ever... It tasted like ashes, I'll tell you that much. It tasted like ashes to me when I bit into one. I'm like, oh, there is in the trash! <laughs> but, yeah. And participate in wholesome activities with the other kids, whom he has absolutely no interest in hanging out with. As the weeks go on, Jet starts to get used to the unplugged life and even bonds with the other kids over their discovery of a baby lizard-turned-pet named Needles. But he can't help noticing that the adults at the Oasis are acting really strange. Could it be all those suspicious quote-unquote meditation sessions? Jed is determined to get to the bottom of things, but can he convince the other kids that he is no longer just a a spoiled brat making trouble? This looks cute. I like how we do get serious topic type books, but we also get books that are can be kind of, you know, fun and goofy with a message. This one looks cute. It says, The Elephant in the Room. This cover is gorgeous. I love the pink and orange-yellow. Looks like it could be like a, a sunset or a sunrise. It's a girl and her forehead is leaning against the forehead of an elephant. This book comes out March 2nd of 2021. It's been almost a year since Sila's mother traveled halfway around the world to Turkey, hoping to secure the immigration paperwork that would allow her to return to her family in the United States. The long separation is almost impossible for Sila to withstand, but things change when Sila accompanies her father, who is a mechanic, outside their Oregon town to fix a truck. There. There, behind an enormous stone wall, stone wall, she meets a grandfatherly man who only months before won the state lottery. Their new alliance leads to the rescue of a circus elephant named Veda. Or Veda? And then to a friendship with an unusual boy named Matteo. Proving that comfort and hope come in the most unlikely of places. A moving story of family separation and the importance of the connection between animals and humans. This novel has an enormous, has the enormous heart and uplifting humor that readers have come to expect. From the beloved author of Counting by Sevens. I have not read Counting by Sevens. Ooh, what's this one? This is the book that comes out in 20. Oh, that came out in, what is this? Uh, interesting. Okay, so let's go back to my list and see what else we got here. Okay, this one looks like a good book. Um, LGBT representation. It's called The Insiders by Mark Oshiro. O-S-H-I-R-O. Let's see. The book features a queer boy who, fleeing from bullies, discovers a magical closet that not only provides him sanctuary, but also unites him with two other kids facing persecution at their own schools across the country, helping them find find friendship and strength in one another. Wow, this one does not come out until fall of 2021. Maybe we'll get more about the book once uh, it gets closer to the fall of next year. A Thousand Minutes to Sunshine 
Jen White. This book comes out April 20th of 2021. Let's see. It's a sensitively written middle grade novel about a girl struggling with anxiety, family secrets, and the meaning of friendship. Cora is constantly counting the minutes. Excuse me. It's the only thing that stops her brain from rattling with worry. From convincing her that danger is up ahead. Afraid of the unknown, Cora spends her days with her feet tucked into sand, marveling at La Quinta Beach's giant waves and her little sister Sunshine's boundless energy. And then danger really does show up at Cora's doorstep, her absentee uncle whose sudden presence in the middle of the night makes her parents nervous and secretive. As dawn breaks once more, Cora must piece together her family and herself one minute at a time. A Thousand Minutes to Sunlight is an endearing and revelationary middle grade novel that is perfect for fans of Counting by Sevens and Fish in a Tree. I do have Fish in a Tree. I do have to still read that. What's this one? The Ambassador of Nowhere, Texas. Oh, actually, um, this book, The Ambassador of Nowhere, Texas, is a sequel to... Oh, it's a post-9-11 companion to the National Okay, when Zachary Beaver came to town, I have not read that book. I do have it. I did pick up a copy, so. Ooh, The Million Dollar Race. This looks good. When's this one come out? <gasps> January 19th. Oh, it's only 224 pages. Well, those ones that are just over 200 pages just feels like it could be longer. Why isn't it longer? But, okay. Alright. Perfect for fans of Lizzie Legend and the Baseball Genius series. The quick-paced, heartfelt, zany novel follows a speedy kid from an unconventional family who will do whatever it takes to win an international track contest. Grant Falloon isn't just good at track. He's close to breaking the world record 100 meter time for his age group. So when the mega-rich Babble Money sneaker company announces an international competition to find the fastest kid in the world, he's desperate to sign up. But not so fast. Nothing's ever that easy with the eccentric Falloon family. Turns out his non-conformist parents never got him a legal birth certificate. He can't race for the United States, so now if he wants to compete, he may just have to invent his own country. And even if that crazy plan works, winning gold will mean knocking out his best friend and biggest competitor, Jay, out of the competition. As unexpected hurdles arise, Grant will have to not only... Grant will have to ask not only if winning is possible, but what he's willing to sacrifice for it. My guess is that sacrifice is probably going to be his friendship with his friend Jay. I'm guessing. Here's another interesting book. The Anti-Book by Raphael Simon. This book comes out in April of 6th of 2020. <clears throat> With nods to The Phantom Tollbooth and Coraline, this darkly funny fantasy is a classic in the making. The story of a boy who wants the world to disappear. And what happens when it does? Mickey is angry all the time. At his divorced parents, at his sister, at his two new stepmoms. Both named Charlie. And so he can't resist the ad inside its pack of gum. Do you ever wish everyone would go away? Buy the anti-book. Satisfaction guaranteed. He orders the book, but when it arrives, it's blank, except for the line of instruction. To erase it, write it. He fills the pages with all the things and people he dislikes. Next thing he knows, he's wandering an anti-world, which one in which everything and everyone familiar is gone. Or are they? 
His sister soon reappears, but she's only four inches tall. A tiny talking house with wings looks strangely familiar, as does the mysterious half-invisible boy who seems to think that he and Mickey are best buds. The boy persuades him, persuades Mickey to go find the Bubblegum King. Okay, The king who resides at the top of the mountain is the only one who might be able to help Mickey fix the mess he's made. Full of humor and surprise and slightly meaningful, this is a Wizard of Oz for today's generation. A fantastical quest for comfort and belonging that will resonate with many, many readers. Let's see. A book called Thanks a Lot, Universe by Chad Lucas. This book comes out May 11. 2021. So it's 288 pages, which that's forgivable. I mean, if it's close to 300, just anything that's like 208 or 224, it's like, I'll read it, but it's like, it just feels short to me. Like, give me a little more. So this book, Thanks a Lot, Universe, a movie middle grade debut for anyone who's ever felt like they don't belong. Brian has always been anxious, whether at home or in class or on the basketball court. His dad tries to get him to stand up for himself, and his mom helps as much as she can. But after he and his brother are placed in foster care, Brian starts having panic attacks. And he doesn't know if things will ever be quote-unquote normal again. Ezra's always been popular. He's friends with most of the kids on his basketball team, even Brian, who usually keeps to himself. But now, some of his friends have been acting differently, and Brian seems to be pulling away. Ezra wants to help, but he, but he worries if he's too nice to Brian, his friends will realize that he has a crush on him. But when Brian and his brother run away, Ezra has no choice but to take the leap and reach out. Both boys have to decide if they're willing to risk sharing parts of themselves they'd rather hide. But if they can be can be brave, they might just find the best in themselves and each other. This book sounds amazing. It really, really does. One book that I actually just pre-ordered, it comes out January 12th. 2016. It's about 416 pages. It's called Alone. It's by Megan E. Freeman. When 12-year-old Maddie hatches a scheme for a secret sleepover with her two best friends, she ends up waking up to a nightmare. She's alone, left behind in a town that has been mysteriously evacuated and abandoned, with no one to rely on, no power, and no working phone lines or internet access. Maggie slowly learns to survive on her own. Her only companions are a Rottweiler named George and all the books she can read. After a rough start, Maddie learns to trust her own ingenuity and invents clever ways to survive in a place that has been deserted and forgotten. As months pass, she escapes natural disasters, looters, and wild animals, but Maddie's most formidable enemy is the crushing loneliness she faces every day. Can Maddie's stubborn will to survive carry her through the most frightening experiences of her life? You know what this made me think of when I was reading it? Especially when it comes to, like, the books and the loneliness. If you're familiar with the show The Twilight Zone, my favorite episode is called Time Enough at Last. It deals with a man named Henry Bemis, who is a banker. He loves to read, but it seems like his boss... And his wife just are always prevent you know preventing him from you know reading like his wife's like his wife is a horrible human being. She crosses out his books like black lines through all of them, and it's she's just horrible. Even his boss is like 
you know how I became to be president of the bank? Because I took on my, on my breaks, I would be studying the bank book or whatever. I don't know. And I just, Henry Bean, I feel bad for him. But, you know, he reads the paper. He reads the back of ketchup bottles, cereal boxes, what you name it. He reads it. And he one day takes his break down in the bank vault because that's the only place he can, you know, get privacy so he can read on his break. I, I mean, I, I feel you, Henry. I mean, I was reading bre- on my break in my car when it was cold out with the heater running because I just liked my alone time on my break. It's like, that's my 15 minutes. That's my half hour. I want to be able to use it as I want to use it. But all of a sudden, everything starts shaking and it turns out there's an, like an atomic bomb, like a bomb went off and everyone's gone. The world, the building just poof, gone. And he's just wandering around like, hello, hello, is anyone there? And he comes upon the best place in the world. A library filled with books. Um, the one thing I didn't mention is this guy, Henry Bemis, has a problem. His glasses are like Coke bottle bottom, like glass Coke bottle thick. They are big, thick, and without them, he basically, sadly, well, he can't do what he loves. He loves to read. And throughout the episode, you do see instances where his glasses are, like, constantly falling. He keeps having to pick them up and put them back on his face, which, foreshadowing, um... But anyway, he's like, all right, so I got, he's got stacks of books, like, okay, so this will be January, February, March, and so on and so forth. He's got, every single book that hasn't been destroyed is in his yearly TBR pile from then until whenever. (laughs) Um, sadly, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know the spoiler, fast forward, like, ten seconds. His glasses break like shatter and he cannot read the words the pages they're blurry and he's like that's not fair that's not fair there was time he even says the title of the the story time enough at last he says it's not fair there was time now there was time now and he's just crying like that's not fair the one thing this man craved and wanted to do was read and have time to read And the opportunity presented itself only for it to basically just blow up in his face. Uh, But that is my favorite one just because I love books about readers. I love TV show characters who read. I love them. And I just, my heart broke for poor Henry Bemis. It really, really did. That's why this book alone kind of immediately, I got a Henry Bemis kind of vibe. Even though this girl is 12 and doesn't work at a bank. (laughs) The next book, Across the Pond by Joy McCullough. It's M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H. This book comes out March 16th, 2021. Uh, Heartwarming story about new beginnings, burgeoning friendships, and finding your flock. Callie can't wait for her new life to start. After a major friendship breakup in San Diego, moving overseas to Scotland gives her the perfect chance to reinvent herself. On top of that, she's going to live in a real-life castle. But as romantic as 
life in a castle sounds, the reality is a little less comfortable. It's run down, freezing, and crawling with critters. Plus, starting off on the wrong foot with the gardener's granddaughter doesn't help her nerves about making new friends. So she comes up with a perfect solution. She'll be homeschooled. Her parents agree on one condition. She has to participate in a social activity. Inspired by a journal that she finds hidden in her bedroom, Callie decides to join a birding club. Sure, it sounds unusual, but at least it's not sporting or performing. But when she clashes with the club leader, she risks losing a set of friends all over again. Will she ever be able to find her flock and make this strange new place feel like home? One book that I just pre-ordered today called Take Back the Block by uh, Crystal D. Giles comes out January 26, 2021. And definitely with February coming up, Black History Month, another time, you can read these books whenever. It doesn't have to be specifically for like, I'm going to read this around Black History Month, I'm going to read this around Valentine's Day or so on and so forth. That's just sometimes how I like to do things. Brand new kicks, ripped denim shorts, royal blue supreme tee, Wes Henderson has the best style in sixth grade. That, and hanging out with the crew, his best friends since little kid days, and playing video games is what Wes wants to be thinking about at the start of the school year. Not the protests his parents are always dragging him to, but when a real... A real estate developer makes an offer to buy Kensington Oaks, the neighborhood Wes has lived in his whole life. Everything changes. The grown-ups are supposed to have all the answers, but all they're doing is arguing. Even Wes's best friends are fighting, and some of them may be moving. Wes isn't about to give up the only home he's ever known without a fight. He's always been good at puzzles, and he knows there must be a missing piece that will solve this puzzle and save the Oaks. But can he find it before it's too late? Exploring community, justice, family, and friendship with an irresistibly deft and relatable touch. Take Back the Block introduces Wes, a sixth grader readers will fall in love with and ask what it means to belong to a place and a movement and to fight for a cause you believe in. The next one, The House That Wasn't There by Elena K. Arnold. A gently magical exploration of the spaces between people and the mysterious interconnections that bind them with feline teleportation. Okay, you had me at feline teleportation. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) School research projects and a taxidermied possum named Mort. Oh, this sounds adorable. Wow. There's even a picture of these two teleporting orange cats. And what looks like a um, a tree that used to be there, but it's just a stump. We also see a blue house with a girl with a blue shirt and a yellow house with a boy, could be a boy or girl, uh, who's wearing my favorite color red. Interesting. I'm excited. Oh, okay. Yes, this author is the author of A Boy Called Bat. It is a series that she does about a young boy who has autism. And he has a pet skunk. Where We Used to Roam by Jen Bishop. Actually, a book that I did talk about in the quarantine book recommendations. (laughs) All this talking is, uh, yeah. Sorry, guys. I don't mean to do that. You can probably hear my voice is getting a little raspy. Um... 
Things You Can't Say. That was a book I covered in the quarantine book recommendations back in April or May. Um, and I'm really looking forward to Where We Used to Roam, which comes out March 23rd, 2021. We don't have a page count for that one, though. In this powerful middle-grade novel from the acclaimed author of Things You Can't Say, a young girl navigates the social growing pains of middle school and struggles to find her place while her older brother fights to overcome opiate addiction. Perfect for fans of the seventh... My goodness. Uh, perfect for fans of The Seventh Wish and Waiting for Normal. When Emma starts sixth grade, things finally begin to change. She may still be in the shadow of her older brother, Austin, the popular high school quarterback, but she's made artsy new friends who get her way more than her stylish best friend, Becca. But things are changing for Austin, too. After undergoing surgery for a football injury... Austin has become addicted to opiate painkillers. By the end of the school year, everything blows up with Austin and Becca. When their parents decide to send Austin to rehab and Emma to stay with family friends in Wyoming for the summer, Emma seizes the chance to get away. Wyoming turns out to be a perfect fresh start, especially after Emma makes friends with Tyler, a kindred spirit who doesn't judge her. Then again, he doesn't know what she did. Wait, what? Then again, he doesn't know what she did to Becca. Oh, her friend. Okay. So Emma can't hide forever or go back to the way things were with Austin or with Becca. But can she find a way to confront the truth and move forward? I love... I After I... And I do have her other book called um, 14 Hollow Road. Another one, uh, The Distance to Home. I don't think I have that one, but after reading Things You Can't Say, which does, is a trigger warning for um, suicide, sadly, this one deals with um, an opiate addiction. So the cover, oh my gosh, this, for heaven's sake, how is water making me burpy? I don't know. This is a gorgeous cover. It's got mountains. It's got like a sunrise. It's got, looks like Emma and possibly Tyler sitting on a peaked roof and it looks like it's got like a river is that a road or a river and it looks like scraggly like dry like deserty area i don't know but oh what's that is that what is that is that a buffalo let me see i think that could be i think that's a buffalo that's ah uh, that oh i can't wait to read that oh oh here's another one isn't this fun? I'm having so much fun reading these. And I'm the more I'm reading them, the more I'm like, I can't wait to read that book. Yeah. But I got like a bunch of books I still need to read. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. 365 Days to Alaska by Kathy Carr. This book comes out January 19th, 2021. And the page count is 272. All right. A thoughtful middle grade debut about a girl from off-the-grid Alaska adjusting to suburban life. 11-year-old Regal Harmon loves her life in off-the-grid Alaska. She hunts rabbits, takes correspondence classes through the mail, and plays dominoes with her family in their two-room cabin. She doesn't mind not having electricity or running water. Instead, she's got tall trees, fresh streams, and an endless sky. But then her parents divorce, and Regal and her sisters have to move with her mom to the Connecticut suburbs to live with a grandmother they've never met. 
Regal hates it in Connecticut. It's noisy and crowded, and there's no real nature. Her only hope is a secret pact that she made with her father. If she can, br- if she can stick it out in Connecticut for one year, he'll bring her back home. At first, surviving the year feels impossible. Middle school is nothing like the wilderness, and she doesn't connect with anyone until she befriends a crow living behind her school. And if this wild creature has made a life for itself in the suburbs, then maybe, just maybe, Regal can too. 365 Days to Alaska is a wise and funny debut novel about finding beauty, hope, and connection in the world no matter where you are, even Connecticut. You know, there's a thing that I've realized um, about, you know, especially characters that deal with moving to another state and not knowing anybody. And I always never really resonated with that because I grew up in the same place my whole life for 38 years. And I'm just now getting it and really being able to resonate with these characters and what they're going through. Granted, I'm 38 years old and these characters are like 12, 13, whatever. But I'm getting that. You know, we've been here three months now and I occasionally venture out and I I just you know I'm hoping like next year you know eventually I can start slowly still making my way making my you know baby steps and stuff driving to areas I and I'm just hoping that I'll meet some people maybe I've never been good at making friends I never have you know I mean I'd make a friend, and then they'd move, and then I'd make another friend. But as an adult, I think it's hard to make friends as an adult as it is, than it is as a kid. Alright, here's the next book. The Best Worst Summer by Elizabeth Yulberg. I believe I did talk about one of her books. Her latest book called Past Perfect Life, which came out July 9th, 2019. So if you want to hear about that book, that one is a young adult book. If you want to hear about that one, you can uh, listen to the bonus quarantine book recommendation. So looks like this one looks like a good one. This is definitely, you know, it's middle grade. Best for Summer, Elizabeth Yulberg. This The book follows a girl who moves to a new house and discovers a shoebox time capsule left by another girl three decades prior. And the story alternates chapters between 2021 and 1989 to reveal why the latter chose each item and added a note begging for her best friend's forgiveness. This makes me think of The Lake House with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. Which, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Okay, so, the next one. Abby tried and true. Abby tried and true. Sorry, it sounded like rah, 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 rah. this is by Donna Gephardt, who wrote. Okay, I'm thinking of another author that wrote the book I'm thinking of, but in this book, fans of the remarkable journey of Coyote Sunrise, which I love that book. I have the book Shouting at the Rain. I have that also. I need to read it. We'll love this heartwarming story of the bond between siblings from the award-winning author of Lily and Duncan and the Paris Project. 
When Abby Braverman's best friend Kat moves to Israel, she's sure it's the worst thing that could happen. But then her older brother Paul is diagnosed with cancer and life upends again. Now it's up to Abby to find a way to navigate 7th grade without her best friend, help keep her brother's spirits up during difficult treatments, and figure out surprising new feelings for the boy next door. This book sounds beautiful. It looks beautiful. I love, she's like uh, laying against the roof. It looks like she's got like a journal that she's writing in. There's palm trees. And it looks like the sun's shine. It's just, I love the colors. I love the bright colors. You know, that's the thing for me. It's not necessarily, the, the one thing you're going to see on a book before you even open to read the synopsis, which normally is found on the inside of the front cover, you're going to look at the cover. But then if the book isn't out displayed like that, you Another thing that is really pulls you in is the spine of the book. The lettering, the font, the coloring, that is also another thing that draws you in. That's what causes you to take your finger and pull the book out of its slot and check out the synopsis. Hazel Bly and the Deep Blue Sea. This is by Ashley Herring Blake. I have a couple of her books that I still need to get my butt in gear and read. Ivy uh, Aberdeen's Letter to the World. And the the other one is The Mighty Heart of Sunny St. James. This next one, Hazel Bly and the Deep Blue Sea. This book comes out May 25th, 2021. In this book, the story follows a girl who has lost one of her moms in an accident which had made her anxious and safety obsessed. She's locked herself away, so it's essentially about her unlocking a New England seaside town, a mermaid myth that just might be true, and of course, first crushes. Okay, that's interesting. Um, It's not a full synopsis. What's this? Okay. Delilah Green doesn't care. This comes out 2022, and there's no synopsis to that one but we're just talking about stuff that's coming out in 2021 let's see here next one okay oh ooh, what is this okay root work by eden royce i haven't read any of her books so it looks like there could be some magic root magic okay and why was i talking at the table and not into the microphone i hope you guys could still hear me a middle-grade historical Southern Gothic, it tells the story of Jezebel and her twin brother Jay, who begin their lessons in root work and must learn to embrace their darkness to keep their family safe as they battle against malevolent spirits and the specter of racism in pre-civil rights era Charleston. Publication is planned for 2021, and there is not a set date, unfortunately, it just says 2021. The Shape of Thunder. This book... It's a middle grade book by Jasmine Warga. I've read her. The only one of hers that I've read is My Heart and Other Black Holes, which trigger warning for suicide. Um, there is another one called Here We Are Now that I have. I haven't read her. <clears throat> Other Words for Home, that is her first middle grade book that 
she put out last year. The Shape of Thunder. What's, what's, I have it as my one. Okay, May 11th. So this is a spring release. And, you know, sometimes these books do, it's very rare that this happens, but sometimes these books do, their release dates might change. It seemed like it was like that with not just movies that came out this year or more likely didn't get didn't come out this year and were pushed back till next year. That was kind of the same thing with some books that were supposed to come out and were pushed back until like 2021. Cora hasn't spoken to her best friend Quinn in a year. Despite living next door to each other, they exist in separate worlds of grief. Cora is still grappling with the- Oh, Okay, okay. This is another school shooting book. If this is a trigger for you, you're you could skip this if you want. Um, Cora is still grappling with the death of her beloved brother. For heaven's sake, why can't I talk? Grappling with the death of her beloved sister in a school shooting, and Quinn is carrying the guilt of what her brother did. On the day of Cora's 12th birthday, Quinn leaves a box on her doorstep with a note. She's decided that the only way to fix things is to go back in time to the moment before her brother changed all their lives forever and stop him. In spite of herself, Cora wants to believe. And so the two former friends begin to wor- begin working together to open a wormhole in the fabric of the universe. But as they attempt to unravel the mysteries of time travel to save their siblings... They learn that the magic of their friendship may actually be the key to saving themselves. This book sounds amazing. Oh my gosh. Just. Uh, all you need is love. Here's another one. This is by Tanya Guerrero. No publication date, unfortunately. Just 2021. The same author of How to Make Friends with the Sea. I don't have that book, but. I'm just, what is. It's like going on 11 o'clock. It's literally 11 o'clock at night. (laughs) I'm sorry. I do have the book. I have not read it. That is what I meant to say. But all you need is love. 12-year-old Alba doesn't want to live with her estranged grandmother in Barcelona, but her mother needs her to be far, far away from their home in New York City because this is the year that her mother is going to leave Alba's abusive father, hopefully. If she's strong enough to finally finally do it. Elba is surprised to find that she loves Barcelona. Forming a close relationship with her grandmother. Meeting a supportive father father figure. And making new friends. Most of all she discovers a passion and talent for bread baking. When her beloved bakery is threatened with closure. Elba is determined to find a way to save it. And at the same time she may just come up with a plan to make their family whole again. From the author of How to Make Friends with the Sea comes a heartfelt story of finding one's chosen family healing and baking. This book sounds amazing. And I know I've been saying that about a lot of the books that are coming out in 2021, but it's true. I often wonder why these books... I I know why they weren't around when I was young, because the authors probably were probably in high school or college or who knows. Maybe they, some of these others weren't even born yet. We don't know that. I don't know. But I'm happy that these books do exist now for the kid and me. And they're talking about subjects that are very important for today's kids and even adults. Okay. Barbara D., who is the author of Maybe He Just Likes You, 
her newest book that comes out next year called Violets Are Blue. This book is about a 7th grade girl obsessed with special effects makeup who learns that her mother, an ER nurse, is struggling with opiate addiction. So, publication is scheduled for fall 2021. Okay. Um, another book of Barbara D's that did come out this year, it actually came out in September, called My Life in a Fish Tank. A powerful and moving story of learning how to grow, change, and survive. When 12-year-old Zania, Manning's older brother Gabriel, is diagnosed with a mental illness, the family's world is turned upside down. Mom and Dad want Zinni, her 16-year-old sister Scarlett, and her 8-year-old brother Aiden to keep Gabriel's condition, quote-unquote, private. And to Zinni, that sounds like the same as secret, which means she can't talk about it to her best friends who don't understand why Zinni keeps pushing them away, turning everything into a joke. It also means she can't talk about it during lunch club, a group run by the school guidance counselor. How did Zinni get stuck in this weird club anyway? She certainly doesn't have anything in common with these kids, and even if she did, she'd never betray her family's secret. The only good thing about school is science class, where cool teacher Miss Molina has them doing experiments on crayfish. And when Zinni has a chance to attend a dream marine biology camp for the summer, she doesn't know what to do. How can Zinni move forward when great Gabriel and really her whole family still needs her help? I also want to talk about a couple other of her books that she has put out. Uh, June 19, 2018, Everything I Know About You. All of Barbara Dee's books do focus on a particular topic that I think is very important. <clears throat> there goes my voice again. That I think is very important for kids to be reading. Misfit Tally is forced to room with Queen Bee Ava on the 7th grade field trip to Washington, D.C. and discovers several surprisingly Surprising things about her roommate, including the possibility of an eating disorder. In this timely new novel from the author of Starcrossed and Halfway Normal, during a class trip to D.C., 12-year-old Tally and her best friends Sonnet and Caleb, a.k.a. Spider, are less than thrilled when they are assigned roommates and are paired with kids who are essentially their sworn enemies. For Tally, rooming with clone girl Ava Seeley feels like punishment rather than potential than potential for fun. But the trip is full of surprises. Despite a pack to stick together as much as they can, Sonnet pulls away and Spider befriends Marco, the boy who tormented him last year, and Marco just might like Tally. What's that about? But the uneasy peace in Ava and Tally's room is quickly upended when Tally begins to suspect something is off about Ava. She has a weird notebook full of random numbers and doesn't seem to eat anything during meals. When Tally confronts Ava, Ava threatens to share an embarrassing picture of Tally with the class if Tally says anything to anyone about her suspicions. But will Tally endanger more than her pride by keeping her secret? This is one class trip full of lessons Tally will never forget. How to stay true to yourself, how to love yourself, how to embrace your flaws, and how... Being a good friend can actually mean telling a secret you promise to keep. <clears throat> Halfway Normal, also by Barbara D. Came out September 5th, 2017. 256-page count. A cancer survivor must readjust to normal middle school life in this hopeful novel from the author of Starcrossed and Truth or Dare. 
Nora Levy. Or Levy has just completed two years of treatment for leukemia is, and is ready to go back to the real world of middle school. The hospital social worker warns her the transition may the transition back may be tricky, but Nora isn't worried. Compared with battling cancer, how tricky can seventh grade be? Very. Everyone is either treating Nora like she will break it any second or acting weird about all the attention she's getting. Her best friend Harper does her best to be there for Nora, but she doesn't get it, really, and is hanging out with a new group of girls, leaving Nora feeling a little unsteady. Nora's other good friend Silas is avoiding her. What's that about, anyway? When Nora is placed with 8th graders for math and science, she meets Griffin, a cute boy who encourages her love of drawing and Greek mythology, and Nora decides not to tell him her secret that she was that girl who had cancer but when impossible when something impossible happens to make secret keeping impossible Nora must figure out a way to share her cancer story but how do you explain something to others that you can't explain to yourself and then once you find the words how do you move forward with a whole new normal and of course another book which I think is really really good that we're getting LGBT representation in into middle grade. I really think it's very, very important. Not just that, but also with, you know, characters that deal with cancer or know someone that is going through cancer. Just to inform them that it does sound scary, but there are ways that you can be supportive as well to those that are going through it. Or if you are how, you know, you can find someone. That's all about... I think finding characters that are like ourselves that we can relate to and we cannot, that way we don't feel so alone. Starcrossed is another one. This came out March 14th, 2017. 204, uh, 277 pages. Maddie is chosen to play Romeo opposite her crush in the 8th grade production of Shakespeare's most beloved play in this Romeo and Juliet inspired novel from the author of Truth or Dare. Maddie, a star student and passionate reader, is delighted when her English teacher announces the 8th grade will be staging Romeo and Juliet. And she is even more excited when, after a series of events, she finds herself playing Romeo opposite Gemma Braithwaite's Juliet. Gemma, the new girl at school, is brilliant, pretty, outgoing, and if all that wasn't enough, British. As the cast prepares for opening night, Maddie finds herself growing increasingly attracted to Gemma and confused, since just days before, she had found herself crushing on a boy named Elijah. Is it possible to have a crush on both boys and girls? If that wasn't, po if that wasn't enough to deal with, things backstage at the production are starting to rival any Shakespearean drama. In this sweet and funny look at the complicated nature of middle school romance, Maddie learns how to be the lead player in her own life. Alright, so that is mainly it for all the middle grade reads that I have marked as to be read in 2021. Now, I have a few here that are either YA or historical fiction, adult fiction. So, alright, first one. Kristen Harmel, who is the author of The Lost Book of Names, writes The Forest of Vanishing Stars. This book comes out July 2021. 
Well, I know what I'll be asking for for my anniversary gift this next year. All right. The author returns with an evocative coming-of-age World War II story about a young woman who uses her knowledge of the wilderness to help Jewish refugees escape the Nazis until a secret from her past threatens everything. After being stolen from her wealthy German parents and raised in the unforgiving wilderness of Eastern Europe, a young woman finds herself alone in 1941 after her, her kidnapper dies. Her solid, solitary existence is interrupted, however, when she happens upon a group of Jews fleeing the Nazi terror. Stunned to learn what's happening in the outside world, she vows to teach the group all she can about surviving in the forest, and in turn, they teach her some surprising lessons about opening her heart after years of isolation. But when she is betrayed and escapes into, ooh, a German-occupied village, creeps, her past and present come together in a shocking collision that could change everything. Inspired by incredible true stories of survival against staggering odds and suffused with the journey from the wilderness elements that made Where the Crawdads Sing a worldwide phenomenon, The Forest of Vanishing Stars is a heart-wrenching and suspenseful novel from the number, number one internationally best-selling author whose writing has been hailed as sweeping and magnificent, immersive and evocative and gripping. All right. All right. Amelia Unabridged by Ashley Schumacher comes out February 16th, 2021. Page count 304 pages. All right. Sparks fly between two teens as they grapple with grief, love, and the future in this unforgettable debut novel, sure to entice fans of Jandy Nelson and Jennifer E. Smith. 18-year-old Amelia Griffin is obsessed with the famous Orman Chronicles, written by the young and reclusive prodigy N.E. Ensley. They're the books that brought her and her best friend Jenna together after Amelia's father left and her family imploded. So when Amelia and Jenna get the opportunity to attend a book festival with Ensley in attendance, Amelia is ecstatic. It's a perfect way to start off their last summer before college. In a heartbeat, everything goes horribly wrong. When Jenna gets a chance to meet the author and Amelia doesn't, the two have a blowout fight like they've never experienced. And before Amelia has a chance to mend things, Jenna is killed in a freak car accident. Grief-stricken and without her best friend to guide her, Amelia questions everything she had planned for the future. When a mysterious rare edition of the Ormond Chronicles arrives, Amelia is convinced that it somehow came from Jenna. Tracking the book to an obscure but enchanting bookstore in Michigan, oh, Michigan, Amelia is shocked to find herself face-to-face -face with the en enigmatic and handsome N.E. Ensley himself. <clears throat> the reason for Amelia's and Jenna's fight and perhaps the clue to what Jenna wanted to tell her all along. Ashley Schumacher's devastating and beautiful debut, Amelia Underbridge, is about finding hope and strength within yourself and maybe, just maybe, falling in love while you do it. This book sounds utterly amazing. Oh, I think this is another... Oh, okay. Ghost Girl. This is a middle grade novel. Comes out August 10th, 2021. 288 page count. Perfect for fans of Small Spaces. Yeah! and night books Ellie Melinko Melin Melinikos middle grade debut is empowering and triumphant ghost story with spooky twists sure to give readers a few good goosebumps Z Pocket <coughs> 
loves ghost stories. She just never expected to be living one. It all starts with a dark and stormy night. When the sky's cleared, everything is different. People are missing. There's a creepy new principal who seems to know everyone's darkest dreams. And Z is seeing frightening things. Large, scary dogs that talk. And maybe even a ghost? When she tells her classmates only her best friend Elijah believes her. Worse, mean girl Nellie gives Z a cruel nickname, Ghost Girl. But whatever the storm, wash up isn't going away. Everyone's most selfish wishes start coming true in creepy ways. To fight for what's right, Z will have to embrace what makes her different and what makes her Ghost Girl. And all three of them, Z, Elijah, and Nellie, will have to work together if they want to give their ghost story a happy ending. This book sounds really, really fun. And I love the representation of characters who wear hoodies. I love to wear hoodies. They're my favorite thing. Here's a YA contemporary. Oh, for heaven's sake. I just wanted to touch uh, the book cover, not the other. Okay. Kisses and Croissants by Anne-Sophie Jordanozov. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Annie-Sophie. Anne-Sophie. I butchered your last name. <coughs> I'm going to lose my voice soon, so I'm going to wrap this up. Um, April 6, 2021. 320 pages. As sweet as a macaroon from Lurdy, with writing as crisp and as freshly baked baguette, as a freshly baked baguette, this romance novel set in Paris about an American ballerina and a charming French boy is parfait for fans of American Royals and Netflix's To All the Boys I've Loved Before. 16-year-old Mia, an American girl and an elite summer ballet program, has six weeks to achieve her dreams, to snag an audition with one of the world's best ballet companies. But there's more to Paris than ballet, especially when a charming French boy, Louis, wants to be her tour guide, and the pair discover the city has a few mysteries of its sleeve, in the vein of romances like Love and Gelato, this is the perfect summer adventure for anyone looking to get swept away in the city of love. Well, it's right around, you know, it's April 6th, you know, getting on springtime, so. Let's see here. When You Look at. Ugh, when You Look Like Us by Pamela and Harris. This book comes out January 5th, 2025. Uh, 2021. Why did I say 2025? I don't know why. 368 page count. When you look like us, brown skin, brown eyes, black braids, or fades, people think you're trouble. No one looks twice at a missing black girl from the projects because she must have brought whatever happened to her upon herself. I, Jay Murphy, can admit that for a minute I thought my sister Nicole got caught up with her boyfriend, a drug dealer, and his friends. But she's been gone too long now. If I hadn't hung up on her that night, she'd be spending time with our grandma. If I was a better brother, she'd be finishing... For heaven's sake, I want to read more at some point. Why won't it let me do that? Okay, sorry. If I was a better brother, she'd be finishing her senior year instead of being another name on a missing persons list. It's time to step up and do what the Newport News Police Department won't. Nick, I'm bringing... And it won't let me proceed further with the synopsis. For heaven's sake. Emma Lord... You have a match. This comes out in January. Tw- a lot of books are coming out in January, which I'm not complaining. Uh, January 12th, 2021, 320 page count. 
From the beloved author of Tweet Cute comes Emma Lord's You Have a Match, a YA novel of family, friendship, and romance and sisterhood. When Abby signs up for a DNA service, it's it's mainly to give her friend and secret love interest Leo a nudge. After all, she knows who she is already. Avid photographer, injury-prone tree climber, best friend to Leo and Connie, although ever since the BEI, big embarrassing incident with Leo... Things have been awkward on that front, but she didn't know she's a younger sister. When the DNA service reveals Abby has a secret sister, shimmery-haired Instagram star Savannah Tully, it's hard to believe that they're from the same planet, never mind the same parents. Especially considering Savannah, queen of green smoothies, is only a year and a half older than Abby herself. The logical course of action, meet up at summer camp, obviously, and figure out why Abby's parents gave Savvy up for adoption. But there are complications. Savvy is a rigid rule follower and total narc. Leo is the camp's co-chef, putting Abby's growing feelings for him on blast. And her parents have a secret that threatens to unravel everything. But part of life is showing up, leaning in, and learning to fit all your awkward pieces together. Because sometimes the hardest things can also be the best ones. Alright, and that is my list of 2021 reads. I just, oh, 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 I'm currently reading, and this is perfect for Christmas right now, so if you guys want to read this book, I'm reading it on my nook. It's called Clementine for, the fact that I can't talk anymore, Clementine for Christmas by Daphne Ben, Benedis Grab. This came out August 25th, 2015, so the day after my birthday. Oh, now the read more on this one works. That's great. Okay, An Irresistible and Timeless Christmas Story by the author of The Angel Tree. Oh, great. So this book is actually told from three points of view. Middle grade book. Josie usually keeps to herself. But she comes out of her shell when she and her dog Clementine volunteer at the local hospital during the holiday season. Josie loves dressing up in silly costumes, singing carols, and helping to prepare for the big Christmas festival. That is until she learns that this year's festival has been canceled. Meanwhile, Oscar's parents are fighting more and more, and so is he. He gets into trouble at school, and his punishment? Volunteer hours at the local hospital. Gabby's life seems perfect. She's stylish, smart, and everybody looks up to her. But Gabby has a secret, one that can ruin everything. Then, Clementine disappears, Oscar's parents separate, and Gabby's secret is uncovered. uncovered. Together, can Josie, Oscar, and Gabby find a way to save the holiday, or will this be the worst Christmas ever? Daphne Bendis-Grab, author of The Angel Tree, has created a heartwarming story that sparkles with humor, light, and Christmas spirit. Another author that I just picked up her book, well, I mean, I've had it, for a couple months. Let's see. And she's also an automatic book buyer too. You know, for me, a uh, book author. Closer to Nowhere by Ellen Hopkins. She's written a lot of middle grade that deals with a lot of, lot of tough subjects. This is the first middle grade book she's written. This book came out October 6th, 2020 and is 416 pages. 
All right, Ellen Hopkins, poignant middle school, middle school, middle grade novel in verse about coming to terms with indelible truths of family and belonging. For the most part, Hannah's life is just how she wants it. She has two supportive parents, she's popular at school, and she's been killing it at gymnastics. But when her cousin Cal moves in with her family, everything changes. Cal tells half-truths and tall tales, pranks Hannah constantly, and seems to be the reason her parents are fighting more and more. Nothing is how it used to be. She knows that Cal went through a lot after his mom died, and she's just trying to be patient. But most days, Hannah just wishes Cal never moved in. For his part, Cal is trying his hardest to fit in, but not everyone is as appreciative of his unique sense of humor and storytelling gifts as he is. Humor in stories might be his defense mechanism, if, but if Cal doesn't let his walls down soon, he might push away the very people who are trying their best to love him. Told in verse from alternating perspectives of Hannah and Cal, this is a story of two cousins who are more alike than they realize and the family they both want to save. So that's a book I just started reading today. And I plan to get that one and Clementine for Christmas finished this month, of course. Alright, so I hope you guys, <laughs> I didn't think it would be over three hours again, but I pretty much went through all the books I've read from like May onward to <clears throat> what I'm currently reading, and then of course my want to read list for 2021. Hopefully this gives you guys ideas of books that you might want to read or check out for next year or even during the holiday season. Right now, there's still at least, what, it'll be... Christmas Day, two weeks from this Friday. So, it's plenty of time to do some Christmas shopping if you want to get books for, you know, family members. This could even be books that you think maybe a cousin, nephew, niece, parent, yourself, sibling might want to read. Definitely plenty of book ideas there. So, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I had a fun time. I know that my voice is, uh, getting a little raw now <laughs> but I think I'll do that maybe a couple times a year I'll like in the spring I'll read the books from January you know review talk about the books I've read from January and you know, all the way to like April and then in the fall or winter I'll pick up and read from you know talk about books I, I've read from like late spring all the way to winter to give you guys uh, a good example now I'm going to say I'm only, because SoundCloud episode description only gives you so much space, I'm going to only be listing the books that <coughs> um, that I have read in 2020, and then as far as the books for 2021, um, if you guys want to email me at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com, I can give you guys the my list of 2021 or I can even put it on social media. If you're like, hey, what's that one book about that you mentioned about your 2021 want to read list? So, all right, everyone have a wonderful week. I hope things are going all right for everybody. And oh, gosh, can you believe this year is almost over with? I can't believe it. Feels like only yesterday we were looking forward to 2020 and what it all had to offer. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, <laughs> all right, everybody. I will be back this week with 
Full House, the next episode in the Jesse and Becky, the next chapter, New Parents series on Friday with <laughs> yours, mine, and ours from season five. I'm sorry, I'm blanking. It's 11.30 now. Um, Tommy Tale, I am going to get to it. I just, if it comes out towards the end of December, it's still in December, so it's still, for me, that still counts. You know, still in honor of the Messa Twins' birthday, even though their birthday was yesterday. <laughs> but, um, I just, I got so many things, you know, Christmas stuff that I, I want to get going. I got to finish the final two episodes of Silver Spoons, which will be out the last week in December. And then I kind of want to get a jump start on uh, the Different Strokes episodes, because that podcast is going to be coming in, like, the first week of January. And that podcast will be... Singular episodes that will be a weekly podcast. But I am also taking a break from the Full House podcast for the month of January. I will be covering an episode of Middle Age Crazy for Jody Sweden's birthday towards the end of January. And then Tanner Girls in Love is the next series I will be focusing on in February. And then uh, the breakup episodes will be the ones I will cover in March and then we'll kind of play it by ear. Sometimes I might take a month-long break from the Full House podcast to get caught up on other stuff. So I do have plenty of episodes that I do plan to cover for next year. So no, plenty of series ideas. I mean, we still got a good chunk of episodes of Full House and even Fuller House to cover. So, Alright, everybody. Like I said, have a good week. And I will be back later this week. Bye.